Podcast Network. America is the only industrialized nation with the high murder rate of countries at civil war, like Cambodia and Nicaragua. An attempted murder every three minutes. A murder victim every 20 minutes. Japan, England, and West Germany, with a combined population equal to America, have 6,000 murders a year. America has 27,000. In the 80 years of this century, America has had more than a million murders, more than all her fatalities in all her wars. Bodies and more bodies. All day. Every day. And we hope to bring you some serious grease. Uh, we're minus the Dream Warrior this time. He's uh, sending his uh, segment in COD this time, but uh, we're still actually, gonna... buddy, we're we're on a, uh, we're actually on episode eleven. Episode eleven. Oh fuck. See. Oh, well. <laughs> what are you gonna right. do? I'm jumping ahead. It's I'm okay. Looking, it's okay. I'm looking to the future. Well, the future is good, because uh, we've got actually a nice little tidbit announcement at the end of the show for uh, episode 12, and uh, I'm not really going to get into it too much. We'll, we'll just save that for the outro, but uh, yeah, we've got a great episode for you guys. Uh, it's our second half of our, like, serial killer, I guess you call it, would you call it like a retrospect, J-Dog? <clears throat> yeah, serial killer retrospect, uh, impact on cinema, I guess impo- impact on modern cinema. 
And well, you know, like it's almost killers, documentary style too, I guess. Serial killers did have a huge impact. Um, uh, as we're going to talk about Eddie Gein, I mean, he had a huge impact on Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and and uh, what Silence of the Lambs too, as well, huh? Mm-hmm. Not to mention like Deranged in the early seventies and all, all kinds. Of, we'll save that. We'll save the Eddie right. the, Eddie the Machine Gein talk uh, for later in the show, though. Don't want to bust our nuts too quick on him. Exactly, but uh, yeah, what he, uh, Ed Gein will be one we're covering, and then um, I'll be covering the Zodiac, and uh, yeah, uh, Andy, uh, the Dream Warrior, wasn't able to be with us uh, this week because he's just been busy with work and everything, and um, of course, you know, like, uh, it takes us a while to put these shows together, and hey, you know, the man's got better things to do, so he's mm-hmm. mailing in his, and it, he's covering Kemper, correct? Yeah, Edmund Kemper, what was he, the co-ed killer, he was the guy that... Uh... I remember one of his famous quotes is like uh, a normal guy, like they see a hot chick and they want to go ask her for a date or something. But Kemper, he'd uh, think what their heads would look like on a stick. That's what he said to a doctor one time, a psychologist. Yeah, he it's was like a me. pretty I'd, greasy I'd, I'd imagine what their heads would look like on a stick, he'd say. like, Yeah, he'd, he'd like drive around with their bodies in the trunk and... Here I'm busting Andy's load. <laughs> right. I'll save that for Andy's segment. I don't want to give Kemper away here. Exactly. Well, I mean, I give that. I guess that'll give us a perfect opportunity to segue into a little bit of news. Uh, I know we usually don't have a lot of news because, I mean, let's let's face it, there hasn't been a lot. I mean, it's it's spring, you know. I think summer. Well, no, no, no. Let's face it, we just don't give a fuck about well, much of the shit that's going on. <laughs> well, my part anyway. Well, I think that's it's... why I don't bring you much because not nothing really excites me. Like Hobo with a shotgun got me a semi hard on, but other yeah. than that. Uh, Romero ain't doing anything, so I don't give a fuck about cinema, modern shit right now. That's kind of where I'm coming from, man. And I, like, I totally nice. agree with you. There's like nothing out there that's um, getting me interested, getting my mouth watering, I guess. But uh, this little tidbit of news I got did kind of get my mouth watering because I have entered into uh, the Blu-ray world, of course, now um, after Christmas. So, and uh, it's, I still it's don't time. have. Well, I still don't have a... You got a ski mask and a crowbar for Christmas, and you went and stole one from the neighbors, or what? (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. Nice, I like the way you roll. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) So, um, with that, uh, the little news portion I got, I guess, um, uh, I was listening to uh, 42nd Street Pete's uh, show, I think it was from a week or so ago, and... um, he had Frank Henenlotter on there, and um, I guess he uh, kind of dropped the bomb that nice. um, they're they're working on uh, Blu-rays, official Blu-rays for Basket Case and um, Frankenhooker. I guess uh, apparently, Ooh. yeah. Who's who's going to put them out? I'm not sure. I don't remember if he announced that on the show or not. I I know he's uh, like heavily involved with the projects though. Were they? Was Belial on the show as well for an interview? No, no, Belial was not on the show. Belial was not available for an interview. It was just Frank himself. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Well, uh, you know, not only that, he but... Didn't, uh, he didn't have that rugged man motherfucker with him either. R.A., the New rugged York man. Guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy that no. fucking is like his lackey. R.A. wasn't there either. Frank's joint roller or whatever R.A.'s job is. I have no idea, hanger on or I don't know. Like that's kind of a, that's kind of a weird uh, link up there, I guess. But uh, um, it I, is, it is. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, obviously, 
obviously RA is like a huge fan of uh, of Hannon Lauder's work, I would imagine. So probably oh, from... totally. It's like he's a fanboy that gets to hang out with one of his idols. So what's cooler than that? Exactly. Well, I mean, he got to produce a movie with him and like be in the movie, so as well. Yeah. So. Even though the movie's not great, I mean it's all right. I've, I've I've recently watched it again, rewatched it a few times. Uh, Bad Biology, and it's growing on. Oh, Negro, please! That thing's fucking shit. It's no growing on me. That's it's the Frank, but fucking I, I don't know. I watched me. We we reviewed it for the Ferox. I, I thought it was shitty, but yeah, maybe I got to give it another watch. And well, it was just too cheesy for me. It's really cheesy, and um, you know, too it's. Looking. It's yeah, it is cheap. I mean, he shot it on like uh, some low grade HD cameras and stuff. Like, I I think RA put like put enough money together just to like, I think probably ten grand together and was like, can we do a film on that? So, looks like a fucking three fifty maybe four hundred. Well, you know they had like a lot of cameos from a lot of New York rappers in there and stuff, and they probably got them for free. So oh, that might have yeah. helped them sell the film and stuff. That probably made it help them make the money back at least, at, at the very least. So, I guess I shouldn't shit on it so hard. It wasn't that that bad. I've, I've seen worse. So. Well, hey, you know, it could it, it could be worse. I mean, so, I don't know. Maybe some people think that he should just not have released any more films. I kind of like am on the bandwagon of like shit, man. We're lucky that I mean this guy's even pushing out any more stuff. Kind of thing. Same thing with Romero. It's like. When Romero's gone or Hennen Lauder's gone, you know, you're going to appreciate these films were made, you know, uh, when oh, yeah, it's all wow. done, so. I got uh, no problem with him releasing stuff. Like, you got to look at it this way. Not every movie's a home run. Like, you got some are going to be foul balls and pop flies as far as the movies go. Like, they're not all going to be uh, hits, so. It's, it's, it's all good. It's <clears throat> Some people like them, some don't. Like, it's a niche genre, some of these some of these movies, like, who knows? Other people might be sitting there listening and be like, fuck you, J-Dog, like, Bad Bology, that, like, that's the shit, man. Like, fuck a Frankenhooker, or fuck a Basket Case, but you never know. Different strokes for different folks, man. Well, to me, man, honestly, like, Bad Biology had some, like, nods to Frankenhooker and nods to Basket Case. Like, it had borderline feels, but, like, you got to think those films were made in different eras, and, and New York's kind of a different, like, the, the whole... Mixing pot and everything, and people are all kind of different. So, you know, he wanted to dabble in the hip hop genre, and you know, I can't blame him and stuff. Um, you know, and maybe it was maybe it's like a jumping board for like uh, some more future projects and stuff. So, yeah, maybe I got to go back and give it another try. Like, I don't know. I just it's been a while, and I remember watching it, and I think I watched it with the girlfriend too, and we just we just weren't feeling it. Yeah. Well, I give it's it another like view. Kind of like Smash Cut, like that one with Hess. Yeah, I've heard some good reviews on that since, like, you guys reviewed it, and uh, I don't Smash know. Smash Cut. Yeah, I've actually heard a few good reviews here and there. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd like to give it a shot just because Hess is in it, but I don't know. You guys' review kind of scared me off of it, so I don't know. I didn't go hunting for it, but I did see it at um, Sam Goody a couple months ago. Hmm. Hess was cool in it. Well, then you got the human shish kebab, like. Uh, with Sasha Gray there, like, you can, you can just, like, I don't know. I just can't picture her acting without a dick in her mouth and <laughs> doing her ass, that's all. Well, you had Berryman in there, too, didn't you? Yeah, well, with this, that, that's, see, now that I think about it, it was pretty classy. Michael Berryman with that bad wig, and, and that, yeah, it did have some all right stuff. Hess. I don't know, real, the way you guys described it, it props. sounded like a really, like, it, it, what, what was it supposed to be, like, an homage to, um... 
It's like a Herschel Gordon. Herschel Lewis Gordon. Movies. So yeah. was it like I've never really watched any of like Gordon's films. So like, are they really? I mean, was it like a real like straight cheesy homage? Were those films like cheesy? I mean, I imagine yeah. were. Somewhat, yeah. It was somewhat of a throwback to it. I don't know. It wasn't as bad as we made it out to sound. Like I must have been in a bad mood and was shitting on things. Yeah. They're not that bad, but yeah, cool to hear that uh, some Henlotter stuff is going to be hitting Blu-ray though. Well, he also he basically um, went on to say that like uh, the print that's been out there, he's never been like happy with, and I'm not sure what print was out there, but like he's recently, like two years ago, um, found the original 16 millimeter negatives of the film, and basically the, it's been like waiting to come out on Blu-ray because he didn't ju- he just didn't have the right materials to uh, properly do a Blu-ray. Hmm, cool. Maybe it will be some unfound footage or something, maybe. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. Um, extended, but... extended Belial sex scene in uh, Basket Case 3 or something, maybe. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, I guess yeah, sometime in the near future, I guess people could be like looking forward to that. I know there's probably a lot of fans out there of Basket Case and Frankenhooker. So. Oh, fucking A rights, Bubba. I'd buy, I'd buy them for a dollar. Mm-hmm. I'll buy that for a dollar. So I guess be on the lookout for that, but uh, also on recent news, uh, I know I don't really like to cover these guys because of their little bullshit that they pulled, like announcing that their company was folding up, and then now they're not folding up, and we're encouraging fans to go out oh, fucking buy their titles. Good <laughs> the good, the good people, man. They give us Slivis and uh, Undertaker, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> stand up, stand up, individuals. Exactly, but uh, as of recently, they've uh, released uh, "Working Girls" uh, from 1974, and a lot of people might uh, recognize uh, this yeah. title because yeah. it's got Elvira topless. Elvira, do boom, ba, boom, showing titties. <laughs> oh yeah! Did Joe oh, put I'm out with... a "Working Girls" T-shirt like a couple months ago? He might have. To his belt, so I can't. I can't remember. Well, yeah, this, fuck, it's something else I'll buy for a dollar. This film uh, was uh, released, uh, I guess, uh, last month, uh, although um, Code Red's basically under the, uh, I guess, the new rules that they're not going to announce titles at all so that uh, fans can't bitch about release dates and everything, so they just release them when they're ready to release them, and uh, that's it. They just appear on the market. <laughs> it's kind of like, surprise, motherfucker, here we are, bias now. Right, Exactly. I guess we won't be ever seeing any Code Red, um, like, Best Buy uh, exclusives with that kind of mentality, huh? Mm, probably not. So. But uh, I'm going to probably pick the movie up. They, they've released a few other titles here and there that look interesting, so. Fuck, I'll I'm pick... scoping it out right now. I think it's, uh, I think it's like 10 or ten or 12 bucks for it. I might... Yeah, I'm, I, I'm eyeballing it on eBay. Yeah. It cost me about 19 bucks to ship to me. Oh. Well, it's not bad, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Work the working girls, is that it? Uh I thought it was just working girls, but maybe it's the work it's is that one from seventy four? Looking. Release date February fifteenth, two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. That sounds like the one. Yeah, Stephanie Rothman directed the shit. I'm not sure yeah. I don't have the information oh, yeah. in the front cast of me. Was- Says Elvira in the cast, so yeah, that's it. I thought she went under what's her real name, uh, Sandra Peters. Is that what it is? 
whoever filled out the fucking uh, description. Yeah, they just threw by Elvira. He's just like, it's Elvira, fucking good enough, all right. Figured yeah, it I got was... a copy, go... You better go get yours now. Yeah, I better go get one here soon. We're going to have to cover it on the show now. Huh? <laughs> Look at me. I'm buying shit, like, in the middle of the show. I'm fucking <laughs> eBaying and shit. Like, fuck. That's how fly by night I am. I fucking <laughs> buy my movies while I'm doing the show. <laughs> oh, jeez. Fuck, fuck notes. Fuck even watching the movie. Brilliant. I just read a, I just read a description and talk shit. <laughs> All right. That's great. <laughs> Classic. That's good stuff, yeah. It's oh, total shit. professionalism on my part. So, yeah, no, fuck, that's aw- that's awesome. Thanks for letting me know, actually. But, no uh, problem, man. And uh, <laughs> I know, I like I said, I could have sworn Joe put out a shirt not too long ago, so I don't know if uh, Joe's been kicking around a shitty-ass bootleg or whatever, or a VHS rip, but it's now out. I don't know how great the restoration on it will look. You know, Code Red, they uh, really don't give a fuck anymore so i'll let you know in about two weeks so. <laughs> i definitely <laughs> like to hear about it buddy so well um did you want to jump into fan questions or did you have um any other like news uh, that you can recall uh, reading or oh no news really uh i don't know i just i've been buying a lot of posters on ebay lately mm-hmm. i guess i could talk a little shit about that like got a nightmare and a damaged brain one sheet the other day yeah fucking yeah that's pretty cool i got a sudden death like the it's like a vigilante woman vigilante poster i've been picking up a lot of exploitation posters like young what i get young warriors and an angel one sheet and on the cheap i would imagine i i would hope uh you got them on the cheap yeah yeah pretty cheap uh vice squad i got a vice squad one sheet the other day Nice. I still haven't seen that yet. I need to check it out. You ever see They Call Me Bruce? I picked up a one-sheet for that. No, I think you were telling me about that, though. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Class of, class of 1984 I got, Death nice. Blow, uh, The Booby Hatch. Oh, yeah. Is that, a isn't that, that a uh, Jack Hill film? Fucking A. What else did I get? Oh, the Mutilator posters, of course, like the signed Buddy Cooper ones. Well, yeah, you uh, you helped me out on those, too. We got a little deal going, and uh, it's everybody's been um, getting a little taste of uh, the Mutilator posters. I know Andy's picked up uh, a couple sets now. A few sets. And, yeah, uh, D, he's got uh, the Fall Break poster. Yeah, he's You're got the B sheet. Yeah, I'm going to have all three of them, yeah. I, I'm definitely... I got uh, personalized for you. Yeah, dude, I really appreciate that. I'm definitely, um, the first one I think I'm going to hang up is probably going to be that uh, fall break B-roll poster because I really like the green tones and that. I just hope you like the, like, because you didn't really tell me what to tell Buddy to put on them, so I just kind of made a few things up, like the one, it's like, uh, Dear Nick, Get Bent or something, (laughs) Buddy Cooper. On your fall break one, it's like, Go Fuck Your Hat, uh, Have a Nice Fall Break, Buddy Cooper. Shit like that, so classic. We're fucking yeah. with you. It's yeah, that's good. That sounds Cooper good, man. I I love uh I love them just a freestyle. I know I ha I don't have like a bunch of shit like as far as signed stuff, but I did get uh oh well, uh signed little photo from Gunnar Henson back uh, when I started my collecting, and I just told him to write whatever he wanted on it, you know, back back in the day, and you know. He's do- he's been doing this for years, so he he already knows. He's probably got one basic thing, and he wrote like, "I know where you live." Well, fucking, of course you know where I live, motherfucker. I'm paying you for the signature, but 
it was nice. I, I it was just an honor to get kind that. Of a pervert thing to write. It was it was perfect, and you know, I, it was always like an honor to get that that signature because you know it, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in my home is uh, the uh, holy grail of horror, in my opinion. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I guess yeah, we got fucking a shitload of questions too, so I suppose we should probably waddle into those. Yeah, I guess I can uh, I can tear into the first one. Um, uh, Zachary Wells wrote in, uh, I guess it was probably a couple weeks ago. I think he got this in late. Um, yeah, he just he, missed it because we actually re-recorded the show on the 9th, and he dropped the question like the next day, so he missed it by a day. Sorry this about Todd's that, buddy. but snuck in there. Yeah, yeah, Todd got his question in there, but, you know. Hey, what are you going to do? Um, we didn't forget just, you. It was just all timing and stuff, and then when we had laid the show and stuff because we had Andy on, so we kind of had to do it when, uh, you know, he had a little bit of free time open and uh, our schedules worked. But, uh, hey, we got to it. So um, with that said, let's rip into it. He says, uh, hey, guys, love the show. Uh, keep up the awesome work. I got two questions for the show. My first is for the Batman. <laughs> On one of the shows, you mentioned that you like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 more than the original. I love the movie also and really don't get why there's so much hate for it. It's definitely the sleazy of the sleaziest of the series, and I always thought Freddy was even creepier and darker than he was in the first. Uh, why do you think he looked? Uh, why do you p- think uh, it's looked down on so much? Um, well, I guess I'll chime why? in on that, and I can. I was just going to say, I know why. You, I know why it's your favorite. Oh you like yeah, all, you like the gay undertones. In it. <laughs> I knew you were. You're, going you're, you're, you're feeling like you used to have like a. A coach like that back in high school, so you can like relate and you can feel that. I think. Well, I, That's I why wouldn't. You like it. I wouldn't say that because I never. I <laughs> I really never picked. You up didn't on play those no fucking tones. sports. Come on now. <laughs> I didn't play no sports, and I really didn't pick up on the gay tones at all. To be honest with you, um, on first viewing, and it like Dream Warriors. I thought the guy wanted to like. I thought Freddie wanted to fuck the guy more than he wanted to to possess him. Like, right? I, don't know, I, I just I thought it was pretty queer anyway. Yeah, it's got the undertones, and like I said, like I've since changed my favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street to Dream Wars. But for a lot of years, it was my favorite, and I think it was mainly because of that intro title scene. Um, it really got you into the mood, and then that like you had that, uh, shit. yeah with the school bus teetering on that yeah. rock, and I really loved that shit. And then you had um, old boy there, uh, his friend there, Robert Russler. I really loved him from uh, Weird Science, and like. Um, sometimes they come back, so he was great in it, and I think that's really my big draw was uh, like um, like him in it because you know he's in like all kinds of '80s movies at the time, and just that whole um, pool party scene was great too. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, all kidding around, like with me, like making fun of it, calling it queer and stuff. Like, no, it's solid. I remember it was one of the ones I watched. Actually, I watched it more than the original back in the day. Like, just for some reason, it was we had it dubbed and. I don't know. It was just we had fun with it, so I guess maybe I'm a quarter queer or something for enjoying it as well. But I don't think it has any. I don't. I, I think, thought, I think a lot of guys, uh, maybe gay men, did pick up. I like on it, I like but, cruising. So what? What do you? What, what's that going to say? I guess. Well, I don't know. I think that's, that's, <laughs> I like good cinema. Right. Exactly. I think what the main draw to it is is it still has a dark feel to it, um, similar to the first one, and. Uh, 
I think Dream Warriors got more fun by the time three came around and, and four part it four was came around. Last, it was silly. So the last incarnation of the serious Freddy. It was definitely like the last one before you got comic the comic book Freddy. Yeah, exactly. part three. I, think there, I don't think he got any one liners in part two. Uh, I think he had a couple, but they were real dark. They were yeah. real dark and fell short. So. So I guess we'll tear into uh, your your. The, he's got a question for you too as well. He goes on to say, Ooh, "For uh, Grease Dog, I know you collect yeah. VHSs, and I always buy Fuck VHS me. if there's uh, no DVD D release, or the DVD is harder to find than the VHS. And like you, I dub them to D- DVD myself. My question for you is, what do you do if the tape copy is protected? My dubbing machine automatically stops and tells me it can't be copied. Is there a way around this that I don't know about, or is this just one of those things that we're, there's nothing you can do? Anyway, keep up the great work, guys. <clears throat> well, well, well. VHS, yes. Gotta love the VHS. Uh, I dub them all myself, too. And, yeah, my machine, uh, when the copyright... When they're copyright protected, it kind of comes up and it just shuts off automatically, too. And when they do that, I uh, take them out with uh, my shotgun and a box of shells, and I use them as clay pigeons, actually. <laughs> I fucking go blow the fucking piss out of them. No, just just kidding. Uh, those are the ones I can't... Like they, uh, I keep them separate because I can't uh, uh, sell those. I know that's the only way I have to watch. But there is a way around it. I can't remember. The Pepperoni Man, Tony, he has the machine... Hook up, like, another DVD player to your dubbing machine, I would imagine, that's not, like, right-protected, and do it that way? Yeah, it was something he got at, like, Radio Shack or something that you you hook up, and it... I have one of those. Those things are really expensive. Yeah, it bypasses the copyright or something. Yeah, it's about about 150 bucks for one of those little uh, hacker boxes, I call them. (laughs) Yeah, I've got one, of course, because I'm I'm a huge pirate. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah, butt pirate. No. <laughs> ah, come on. Uh, I, I'm just fucking with you. But yeah, like Tony had to do uh, Strip to Kill and what the fuck else? New Year's Evil, actually, because I couldn't uh, copy them, so I sent uh, sent him a copy and he ripped them and sent them back to me. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so you yeah, had the you, got... uh, you had the original copy of Strip to Kill then, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to buy the DVD, actually. I found it on eBay for, like, 10 bucks. The nice. out-of-print DVD, so I might scoop that, too, while the sh- show's on. Before <laughs> the show's out, I might have that, too, in my collection. Hard to say. Sweet, sweet. We'll keep you guys up to date. <laughs> actually, so, I just watched that with, speaking, actually, uh, I just watched that with a girlfriend on the weekend, Strip to Kill. Oh, and you know how you were saying uh, Entrails of a Virgin, ooh, was so hardcore? No, that was Tony. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you were agreeing with them, weren't you? Uh, I haven't seen that before. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I think that was just Tony putting that on over. Well, if Tony's listening, my old lady said that movie's soft. She <laughs> it. She's, like, she's like, what's up with this? Because I said Tony's, like, we watched it because she wanted to see something really greasy. And I'm like, whoa, well, Tony said he could barely watch this, like... He felt like a pervert watching it, so... I think it was on his uh, recent... He did a recent, like, sleazy video, like, DVDs he has, the most sleaziest ones, and I think it was on there, so... Ah, fuck. That (laughs) that movie was fucking... That was kindergarten, man. Like, yeah, she laughed. Like, 
Uh, it, it, it was kind of sleazy. Well, the sleaziest thing is with a the chick was fingering herself with a severed arm and then shit like that. It, yeah, it was it was tame though. Oh, Necromantic's got more hardcore shit going on. Necromantic one and two. So see, I need I must I need to get Necromantics to show her because uh, like yeah, everything I show her, she laughs at. She's like, that ain't hard. Like Cannibal Holocaust, she's like. Pfft. She's like, that's soft. Like, yeah, I think I, I have to agree that other than the animal killings, uh, Cannibal Holocaust is pretty soft. Miss 45, Thriller, she liked it all. Like, nothing nothing offended her, so. What about yeah, Breaking Point? Point? What did she say about that one? I haven't showed her Breaking Point yet, so. Maybe, maybe. that's next date. Next date night will be Breaking Point, maybe. Maybe Breaking Point will break the cycle. <laughs> Maybe. I think it's for whatever ails you if, if, if you want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, that'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> so, cool. uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk too much more because she'll probably kick me in the nuts for mentioning she likes these movies in the first place on the show. So. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, do you uh, want to jump into the next one on uh, the Facebook page then, I guess? Well, fuck, you got to give me a little segue, brother. i got to find it now. Oh, you don't have it? <laughs> well, I can just chime in. Yeah, I, I, didn't no, know I got it right. Up. I'm just fucking with you. It's okay. uh, Matt Anderson's question there. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, we got Matt Anderson, big Flyers fan, by the way. And, uh, yeah, they fucking lost tonight, so I don't even want to touch on that. Okay. But he goes on He goes on to say, hey, guys, uh, first off, the commentary for Savage Streets was great. Well, thank you. Uh, I knew that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you guys should definitely do more commentaries. He's like, I have two questions. Uh, have you heard of the serial killer Kenneth McDuff, also known as the Broomstick Killer? He killed over 14 people, and he was paroled two or three times before getting lethal injection on November 17th, 1998. So there's a really good book written about him uh, called Bad Boy, the true story of, Ken- of Kenneth Ellen Ellen McDuff. And he goes to say, my next question is to do, uh, either of you have problems with finding work in VCRs? He says, I buy all of mine from thrift stores in my area. This year alone, he's bought five of them. They've all broken or have never worked in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. He goes on to say, Magnavox are the best he's found, and uh, DVD, VCR combos are generally fucking shit as well, he says. Hmm. Well, McDuff, is this like any re- relation to the guy like on The Simpsons, like McDuff, like with the big factory, like McDuff beer? You mean Duff, just or Duff beer? Oh, that's just Duff beer, yeah. Yeah. Irish dude. Never heard of Kenneth, Kenneth McDuff, no. Me neither. Broomstick Me killer, neither. though. I wonder what he Sounds did with the broomstick, so kind of curious. I could just, oh, fuck, use your imagination. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm sure he didn't hit them over the head with it. <laughs> Sure, he didn't sweep the floor up. <laughs> <laughs> Typical, though, paroled two or three times before finally uh, getting lethal injection. Like they, th- they figure they can rehabilitate the guy. Like, oh, he's only killed three. Like, we'll keep him in for a few years. We'll let him out. Mm, yeah, it's pretty loose. Well, yeah, I've never heard of him. Uh, I'd love to check check into him a little bit here and there. I'll have to Wikipedia him and, and look into him more. Yeah. <clears throat> McDuff man. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with it myself, too. But yeah, fuck, you must be, like, getting Fugazi VCRs, though, if you're buying this many. Like, people must be taking in, the, like, once they're eating tapes and on their last life. You know, you're getting shitty luck on the VCRs, because shit, all mine. I got one, the original one we bought in, like, 83. Is the it very a top first... loader? 
No, it was the very first model that was a front loader, actually. Super yeah. expensive. Still I know works. Those, I know those top loaders uh, were pretty good. I know my grandparents had a top loader for about probably 10, 15 years, so those top loaders are pretty solid. Well, this one's th- this one's thirty years thirty years old. The one oh, I got, wow. yeah. Um, the one I've got, I'm rocking like an old Sanyo forehead hi-fi, and uh, it, I've had it for three years. It's like a hand-me-down. Um, uh, the, I, the cheapos that I was getting before VHS went, they would go within a year. Um, I keep a uh, head cleaner around too, as well, though. And you mm-hmm. really, really should if you're, I, I, I mean, really, uh, like, I, what I recommend, um, you probably recommend this, too, is, like, stay away from dirty tapes and stuff like that. Don't run those in your machine and keep it clean with a head cleaner. I mean, at least clean it at least every six months, you know. This is my rule of thumb. See, I, every tape I buy, I clean them all. Q-tips, alcohol, mm-hmm. clean everything, fucking get right in there, fucking. And I clean my, uh... I clean my heads every three, four tapes that I run through the oh, machine. Oh, wow. oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm usually dubbing, so I want some nice crisp picture. And yeah, like these tapes are old, and some of them have been sitting in video stores for years. years so yeah, the machine. Yeah, you got you got to take care of your machines and your tapes. Not because this shit's just old. They're just crammed full of dust and crud, and shit shit just wears out fast. Uh, Take your machines apart. Try cleaning your heads with, uh, like, Q-tips and alcohol. Yeah, the tops are usually only held on there with, like, four screws. They're pretty easy. It's usually, like, a Phillips, and it's pretty easy to take the tops off. And, uh, you know, mine, mine, like, if it's an older tape, sometimes it'll eat the tape. I'll just take the top off, remove the tape safely, and I usually, I'll clean it out with uh, the head cleaner. I won't have any more problems, so. (coughs) Well, if my machine ate one of my tapes, I'd fucking kick the piss out of it you gotta fucking you gotta know buddy yeah well i mean depending on what day luckily i've only yeah, had shitty tapes keep... eaten yeah that's why i keep such good care of mine but as far as the dvd vcr combos uh see i rock a dubbing machine a toshiba dvd vcr combo that's made for dubbing and it's uh it's great i've actually well, i'm on my third one but I fucking do a lot of fucking dubbing and watch a lot of movies on it, but what is it a DVR7 model? If that helps you, Toshiba a DVR7. So that's a good one. I think it's only available in Canada. I think I talked to someone else about it, but yeah, stay away from thrift store VCRs. You'd be better off going to Walmart and buying a brand new one. Yeah, the way I've always done my dubbing in the past, eBay, buy something brand new on eBay separate machines like um i borrowed like for a while i borrowed a buddy's uh uh dvd burner player you know and i just took the vcr up to it and dubbed it that way so and you know with um with that said uh you know if you could find yourself some older model vhs players they don't have that chip in them so um any tape will dub off of them i'm pretty sure because i used to have an older machine that i could dub anything off of like uh, re- video store rentals and all kinds of shit so Nice. Yeah. So I guess we'll uh, jump on over to the emails we've got in. To the Yahoo account. Yes. All right. Yeah, I guess I'll read this one. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah, no problem. Unless it's your turn. I don't know. 
Did you want to read this both is, of them, or did you want me to take the second one? Yeah, we'll split them up since we got two from the same cat. Okay. But, uh, Jay Scott from Profonda Cinema. He's recently been uh, getting into the show, and he's sent us two questions, actually. Yeah, not back to back or anything. We're just we're just slow on the questions, so they mm-hmm. piled up a bit. But yeah, we got two from Jay Scott here. Uh, the first one is, "Hey fellas, uh, just wanted to let you know how much I dig the show. Thanks, man. Uh, I think your show is the tits as well. Yeah, I really dig the Profondo show. Love you it. guys. He goes uh, goes and say you guys are constantly putting out quality episodes on great topics. Uh, like example, Savage Streets commentary was a hoot. He says so. A lot of people really felt the commentary we did. Yeah, feeling, it was really the good. Savage uh, streets. It was really good on the downloads, dude. So mm-hmm. it was fun to do too. I got half pissed, and a little rowdy, and yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I had a good time. I liked it. Yeah, it goes. Uh, he's asking me what part of Canada am I from? What part of Canada are you from, eh? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, I'm from Saskatchewan. Uh, if you know where that is, smack dab in the middle of the prairie, sandwiched between Alberta and Manitoba. And uh, I'd be in the eh, more little, well, it wouldn't be central. It'd be a little more into the northern fringe. I'm in a city called Prince Albert. So, yeah, it's uh, we're just right into the bush, actually. <laughs> Makes sense. Pretty, I pretty, mean, pretty Prince, Prince Albert, so in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> the city of, jail, city of jails, it's known as, because we, we got a federal prison. We got the one I work at. Woman's prison, young offenders, like yeah, we got a whole bunch of jails here. It's not a very nice place to live. It's kind of scummy. Uh, it's cold. We got ugly fucking winters. So I hate it. We're fucking far away from everything. No good DVD stores. Yeah, Future Shop. It's about it. Walmart. So fuck, fuck Saskatchewan, Prince Albert. I hate it. So now you're. Uh, you're Mike's now, making you, me talk about it, Jay Scott. Are you originally from? You're not originally from. Uh, Prince Albert, right? Like you're from another town or city, right? A place originally? called North Battleford. Yeah. Now is that uh, bigger? Or? Half as big as where I live now. And oh. It's about okay. A little over two hours away from where I live. That's where my girlfriend lives and all my family, and that's where I go back on my days off and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Mm. It's always nice to hear a little bit about your homeland. <laughs> yeah. Now, actually, one thing about Prince Albert, I've right. scored a lot of VHS and shit like that from around here, so it ain't all that bad. Yeah, for the lots, dead lots, formats, it's all... Lots of random junk, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, next part of the question, though, uh, he asks us, are we fans of the Trailer Park Boys? Sunnyvale represent, bitches. Yeah, I can drink whiskey like Jim Leahy, fucking, let's go Trevor, two smokes, uh... Fuck, I like jalapeno chips. Fucking Lucy's got big tits. Uh, I like the Dirty Burger. <laughs> You're probably not familiar with Trailer Park Boys at all, are you? I, I've seen it um, back when, they, I'm guessing they were probably re-airing uh, like the past episodes. Because like, I know you, you guys were saying uh, that that's can't, you and Tony were saying that's canceled right now. Like they just do movies. Yeah, so. yeah I, I think I like, I've seen like reruns, of course. I don't remember what uh, network was rerunning them. But yeah, I've seen it occasionally. You want to talk Trailer Park Boys? I could recite like every episode. We could, I could do, I could do commentaries on it. Do like, you have my, like all the seasons or? Yeah, yeah. I got them taped on VHS from when they aired, and like I got the old, uh, like when it all started, it was like a independent black and white. 
kind of documentary style movie that they did. It didn't even have no bubbles or fuck all. Mm-hmm. And then it got picked up as the series that went like seven seasons. And then they got the two movies and the Christmas special and say goodnight to the bad guys special. Well, they're still going with it. I mean, movies and stuff, right? Well, yeah, the last one was Countdown to Liquor Day, yeah. Well, who knows? That wasn't bad. You know, with like... Um, Eugene Clark, Big Daddy from Land of the Dead was in the... The first Trailer Park Boys movie. Oh, he played, really? Like, he played the guy when they're, they're in jail. He was telling Julian, like, because Julian's trying to figure out the next big scam, and Eugene Clark's telling him it's all about change, he's saying. And Ju- Julian and Ricky are like, no, fuck that, man. Like, we can't change. Like, we're thieves. And he's like, no, change. Like, like nickels and toonies and loonies he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. You steal change, cops ain't going to bug you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit like that. So, yeah, no, Trailer Park Boys are great, man. Like, fuck, I love Ricky. Like, uh, it's it's just all good. I could talk forever about Trailer Park Boys. I, ho- I hope you guys like it, too, at Profondo Cinema. It's just classic shit, man. Yeah, it seems to be getting, like, a, like a huge American following, so who knows, maybe the, maybe the uh, series will get started back up, you know? Oh, fuck, yeah, I was watching that shit ten years ago. Oh, wow, that's how long ago it was made, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, long time ago, but yeah, it's awesome stuff. Yeah. Trailer Park Boys represent, man. J-Rock. J-Rock, baby. J-Rock, baby. That's Jonathan Torrens. He like, plays the white rapper J-Rock. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's fucking great. I, I've talked enough. I've rambled enough about Trailer Park Boys. J. Scott got me going. I'm just Don't calling. get you started, huh? <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me talking Trailer Park Boys unless you got about three hours. Right, right, exactly. Well, uh, uh, J. Scott wrote in uh, another question. Like, yeah, I guess he had another side thought. I mean, we do this, you know, show every two weeks, so there's quite huge time frame, you know, and lots of thoughts that uh, can pass through one's mind. So, and uh, he had a thought, I guess. Uh, uh, he asked, uh, any chance you guys can review Street Trash in the near future? Finally took uh, this in uh, past weekend after having the Bare Bones uh, Synapse DVD for five years plus. And I think it'd be a perfect, I think it'd be perfect for your show. Very, very greasy. Uh, he goes on to say he loved the serial killers uh, first up. Nice to hear the true stories other than film adaptions first. Uh, keep up the good work. <clears throat> Well, See, uh, I told you someone liked the serial killer shows. Well, yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, there's downloads. I mean, I just don't know if it was, like, it's not as popular as, you know, like the Fritz the Cat episode or, you know, the... Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway or... Camp, yeah. I love Street Trash, though, and um, I know we were talking earlier that this would be a, a great, uh, you know, uh, review for the show. I just, uh, we'd have to work out the kinks of exactly what um you know we cover with it but uh well i want to do a double bill no i was saying uh street trash and repo man double bill and exploited is what i'd like to do what would the vhs vault be though you think oh i could come up with something it would have to be something so sleazy to go along with street trash oh yeah well i could uh Oh, Don't I'm worry, sure. I could definitely i could definitely be arranged <laughs> i'm sure you can dig out a greasy gem yeah, I yeah. think something like that could be definitely be rearranged, Jay Scott. Uh, you know, we're always throwing ideas around. It's really, it just comes down to, like, what we've each got. Because, like, I've got shit and you've got a bunch of stuff that I don't have. So it's kind of like, 
just um, getting around to getting copies of stuff and, and actually being able to put full episodes together. But I, I think it's something we could uh, tear into in the future. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'd love to get into it. VHS Vault fucking uh, Dead Time Stories. There we go. It's fucking best show ever. Street Trash, Repo Man, and Dead Time Stories. <laughs> well, I need to see Dead Time Stories, too, still. So that would be a great episode to uh, jump into. People are like, Dead Time Stories, how the fuck does that fit in with Street Trash and Repo Man? It's like, don't fucking worry about how it fits in. Just, it just does. <laughs> Trust me. It'll find trust a way Uncle in. Jason. Yes, trust Uncle Jason. Yes, turn the lights back off. It's only me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's just creepy now. Ooh. Uneasy creepy, silence. Creepy. Yeah, it's like, uh-oh. You're going to hang up on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, on a serious note, though, fucking... Uh, i got a small book here from... Uh, was Todd Westerling. He sent in a question. Yeah. This one's going to... This one's going to be fun, actually. I, I was looking at this question earlier. But he goes on to say, Hey, guys, it's your homeboy, Todd, a.k.a. Riverman here. Why is he the Riverman? Like the Riverman from, uh, like, uh, blah, blah, Return of the Living Dead 3, maybe? I wonder uh... if that's where, where he gets that term from. Let me know if I'm right. Or <laughs> 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 are, 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 are you like Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer? That's what I know? was thinking with the serial killer the episodes. Or is he? Was say. he? Uh, maybe, maybe he was uh, Gary Ridgway's like, uh, like uh, sidekick. Ridgway has Ridgway has a son. Maybe it's his son. Maybe it's his son. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know, man. Yeah, let us know if we're fucking on to anything here. Mm-hmm. He goes on to say he has a few questions for us this week. Uh, first, he says he wanted to let us uh, let us know he checked out the movie Vigilante uh, with Lustig Joint. Uh, Kick-Ass Revenge film from 83, though, he says. Uh, and it's got Joe Spinell, too, so don't, mm-hmm. don't forget about that. But he, uh, he, he goes on, he really got a kick out of uh, The Hammer, Fred Williamson's acting. He said it was fucking great. And he says he's seen two of Fred's films and wants to know if uh, we could, like, if we've seen any of his stuff and if we could point him in the direction of some fucking sweet Fred Williamson's movies that are worth watching. Mm-hmm. Well, I've yet to see Vigilante, and um, I've read a lot about it, and I really want to get a copy of it. Uh, Is it like uh, Warriors? No. Oh, okay. Not really, no. It's It's, good. Is it like a revenge film, or what? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, i got to check that one out, definitely. Reminds me kind of Death Squad. Mm, I haven't seen that either. A little bit. That's, uh, who's in that, Robert Forrester or something? I can't remember offhand. Yeah, the Hammer movies, oh man. What do you want to talk about? You want the black exploitation stuff? You want the Italian shit he did? The, did yeah. the post-apocalyptic stuff? Like, there's so many. Like, Boss Nigger. Great what, stuff. Yeah, let's talk about the westerns he did. <laughs> yeah. Boss. The Boss Nigger. Yeah. And, uh, and also, uh, Legend of Nigger Charlie and Soul Nigger Charlie are considered westerns too as well. I mean, they've got that kind of backdrop going on. They're they're fucking awesome too. Hard to find, but they're great. Oh, and then he did a bunch of black exploitation stuff. What nineteen ninety Bronx Warriors? He's in that Warriors of the Wasteland. Warriors of the Wasteland, yeah. Um, I highly recommend a film he did back in I think the early seventies. He was pretty young. Uh, called just Hammer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also highly recommend. Uh, well, shit. I mean Johnny Barrows. Johnny, mean Johnny Barrows is great. 
right, so Black C- I really love Black Caesar. That's actually probably one of my favorite black exploitation films as far as like mixing the um mafia gangster stuff in there too as well. Love that film. Mm-hmm. Oh god, there's so many. Um jeez. Didn't you have a little role in Maniac Cop too? Or you know what? About some other uh, yeah, I think maybe part one or part two. I don't know. I would have to go back and look, but that kind of makes sense. Yeah, he might I think have been the in... first one. Yeah, maybe he was like played... a cop or something, like a little cameo. Yeah, like the chief, the chief or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd well, have to go just... back and check that out. <clears throat> Shit, man! Any, pretty much anything you find uh, Fred in, like, is win-win. Well, like, he had so much stuff. Like a lot of it's bad, and cheesy, but it's it's got him in it, and it's worth a watch like for the, the, the different uh roles the different things he does well for like uh, he did quite a bit like of a little, yeah he did a little stint in the 80s uh some films called black cobra that are really they're not the greatest they're really fucking cheesy and uh they're borderline terrible but i mean if you really love fred williamson running around kicking ass i think you'll like them but they're like italian made and um I think the second one is in like uh somewhere in South America or something, you know, so. And the first one is supposed to take place in like America, but I think that it was all shot in Italy. And it, you can tell. Go figure. Yeah, so. <laughs> and the third one I've heard is like just a mishmash of like um all the first two films like shit that wasn't used and they were able to oh, okay. Yeah, they were able to like make a plot out of that for a third one, so. I hear it's terrible. I've never seen it. Uh, if it's in the, you know, like if I see it for like a buck, I'll pick it up. So I got them in a black exploitation box that I got that had like Mean Johnny Barrows and stuff in it. I've never watched them yet. You got all three of the Black Cobras. I've got all three of them though. Yeah. yeah. Never watched any of them though. Yeah, part one and part two is pretty good. Mm. Might have to watch them one of these nights then. But I guess he's got another part to this question. There, I hope we give you enough hammer to chew on, I guess, for a right. while. Keep enough hammer to keep you busy for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, he goes to say, uh, also, I was listening to Profondo Cinema a week ago, and they were talking a little bit about Death Spa. And he's like, I checked out the trailer on YouTube and immediately want to see this shit. He's like, what are your thoughts on the films, and uh, do you have access to Death Spa, and do you think you could hook me up with it, more or less, is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, guys, love the show. Keep the grease flowing, and thanks for introducing me to Savage Streets and Nightmare in a Damaged Brain. He's like, I found them on YouTube, and they fucking rock. Peace out, Todd Westerling. Well, Death Spa, man. Awesome. It's got Ken Forey in it. Yeah. What more do you need, Ken Forey? I think I like out of like all of the... Uh, real queer outfit they were making them wear. Uh, I was flashy. It worked. I like the colors. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's a flashy dude. He's like pimp status almost. Mm-hmm. Well, I it's mean, all it's... over the place. It's great. It's got a lot of gore. It's it's fucking the epitome of fucking eighties cheesy wackiness with Ken Forey. So let's that's compare his, it to Killer Workout. I mean, it's better. It's like night and day compared to Killer Workout. I mean, this is the uh, aerobics horror film that you want to check out. Yeah, it is. It is better than Killer Workout. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Ken Forey. Oh yeah, I mean, I, re- I think it really does come down to Forey and his performance. Even though it's like he was probably only there for like what a couple days on the set. Not much. Oh, I'm such a whore eh, for anything like Romero related. I'm just shill it on the show. Like, 
gotta, gotta have that Romero tie to pretty much everything. Squeeze <laughs> it in there any chance you can. <laughs> fucking just stuff it down the fans' throats. Like, fucking eat it. You love it. Yeah, no. I do. I get a <laughs> kick out of it. Like I always say, if they don't like it, they can go fuck themselves. Right, exactly. Good motto to live by. <laughs> it is. Fuck, that way I never disappoint anyone. Because mm-hmm. no one expects anything from me, so. Keep the expectations just, low, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of a tomato. I'm just, I just exist. It's like whatever. It's all good, but yeah, Death Spa, check it out, man. I recommend it. Wackiness. Uh, it, it, like Nick said, it's the killer spa movie to check out. Like fuck a killer workout, Death Spa is where it's at. Yeah, I kind of wish we would have covered uh, Death Spa for VHS Vault uh, more or less than the Killer Workout. I think we would have had more fun with it. Well, whatever. The show ain't done yet. Oh, yes. Definitely something for... We got years and years, man. Like, fucking 40 years down the road, we might need to revisit the fucking aerobic fucking slashers. Well, by then, hopefully, you know, like, it's it'll just seem brand new to these guys, huh? <laughs> I hope so. The whole new crop will be out of diapers and into the movies. Yeah, maybe by then a Blu-ray, huh? Well, this is out in um, the UK, and uh, that's the cut I have, I think, uh, of this is a UK print, something like that, I think. it's The sound isn't great, but the picture looks great. What, what kind of copy do you got, a VHS rip? Mm-hmm. Trying to think. Uh, I think Axel sent it to me, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a good one. Well, uh, Whatever the best one the Profondo guys had, anyway. He's looking for a copy of this, I guess. Uh, 25 bucks. <laughs> Damn. No, if my, if my burner was working, I'd hook you up, no problem. But other than that, I can put you on the waiting list with about 40 other discs I, I got to burn. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as I get it fixed. Well, that's kind of where I am, too, where I'd rip, uh, rip a copy for you, too, uh, Todd. Uh... I'm just, my burner's been fucked up, and it's been slowing the process down of uh, exchanging discs and whatnot, so. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, I guess we got, we'll rattle off one more question, then we'll get into a fucking break here. I need a piss and a smoke anyway, so. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> I like how blunt I am on the show. I, J-Dog's got no shame. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. That, for all you guys know, I'm sitting on the shitter right now. I'm in the bathroom dropping turds as I'm recording my podcast. You don't know. Hey, you know, you're giving away behind-the-scenes stuff. Wow. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going too far behind the curtains. Like You don't know what those sound effects you're hearing are. <laughs> Leave it to yeah. the imagination. The fans are like, fucking sick, man. <laughs> yeah, but fuck, we got a last-minute question in here yep. tonight, eh? Little D's nuts, sure. he, got, yeah. he got on it here. Sent one in. You want me to rattle this one off, I guess? Uh, yeah, yeah, hammer through Derek's question. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, fellas, how's it hanging? Uh, low and lazy. <laughs> I really enjoyed the uh, last show, I'm even though... over mine. <laughs> I bet you are. Well, I lost my legs in Vietnam, so... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have something to stand on. Exactly. He says, uh, even though I'm not really into serial killers and shit, I found it very informative and interesting to hear about the sick fuckers and the crimes they committed. Anyways, for a question, I just got off from work from my first day of full-time work in a warehouse, and uh, even though I somewhat enjoy busting my ass for eight hours a day, I was wondering what some of you guys, some of your guys' shittiest jobs have been. 
Mine would have to be when my first job, my first job when I quit after washing dishes for 11 hours in a shithole truck stop. As always, fellas, take her fucking sleazy and extra special thanks to Andy for hooking me up with a badass fall break poster. Nice. Yes, it was nice. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying you, uh, like when you were doing lighting and gay porno, you, you were doing fluffing for a, a couple of weeks and you remember you said you didn't like that. Yeah, the taste was horrible. Yeah, exactly. You said it was a pain. It was a pain in the ass too, and fucking (laughs) always had a shitty taste in your mouth. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I just fucking. Why me? (laughs) You're the co. You're the co-host. I got no one else to rip. Andy's not here this week. Tony, well, I got to wait till next week to rip into him. Right. Yeah, and Derek, you fucking should like the serial killers. I'm glad you found it informative. Yeah. Better not a go- just, I, I just hope it didn't make his dick hard when he was listening to it, though, because... Like, that would be kind of weird. Yeah, we don't we don't <laughs> want him getting, like, aroused by the serial killer crimes and shit right, like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, you know, he's got a full-time job now. Eh? He had to quit, quit the heroin and the crystal meth to pass a piss test, and he's working in a warehouse now, though, eh? Yeah, I'm proud of you, buddy. You got a Fuck. great, great warehouse job. <laughs> I don't even know what... Warehouse. That sounds like. So, what do you? Where do you? Where do you live in Jersey? What is that? Some like code for some mafia shit? Like warehouse job. That sounds kind of criminal. He's packing yayo and coffee right. grounds, shipping them exactly. out. Hey, whatever you know. Straight out of Thailand, right to Newark. Yeah, That's <laughs> like the French connection. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> but you know, no, it's yeah, it's fucking. No, he finally got the horse uh, off his back and. He's working in a warehouse, some kind of computer warehouse or something. Oh, is it? Okay. I think that's what it was, yeah. But, huh, interesting. By the sounds of it, you don't like it, though. It's busting his ass for eight hours. Oh, yeah, warehouse job, fucking moving crates and shit, I can imagine. Being kind of a Fuck. pain yeah, so. You want to talk shitty jobs? I got some shitty jobs for you. Like, I've literally cleaned shit up, like, shit. Yeah. To get paid, and... Working at the jail is no fucking picnic either. Some of the shit I got to go through there, like, that could be considered a shitty job. Uh, working in the scrapyard was a shitty job. Fucking uh, working in the seed plant was a shitty job. Like, stacking bags of seed. Fucking mm-hmm. bricklaying was a shitty job. Fucking roofing was a shitty job. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lots of this shit I did was fucking shitty. Yeah. I fucking hated a lot of these. Working at the gas station was shitty job but i stole porno magazine so it made it worthwhile <laughs> right uh, shit it's work in general shitty man so yeah so it's, it's all about that one big heist yeah i mean like get rich quick it's schemes. Change, man yeah it's like, like eugene like eugene clark was saying it's all about the change <laughs> it's all about the change <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I get, I've worked quite a few different jobs too, as well, and uh, I don't know. I think that's just kind of like, like, dudes work a lot of jobs unless like your fucking family's got like a business or something, and like they bring you in, or mm-hmm. you have somebody, a friend or something that brings you under the takes you under their wing. It's kind of like throughout your twenties. I mean, I'm I'm only twenty four, but I've quickly found out that uh, you know it's just like work, 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 odd jobs, you know, you lose a job here, you find another job there, and it's just kind of, you go through a lot of jobs unless you've got a career and you went to college, so. 
until I was about 30, my attitude was like about getting a job and losing a job. It was like, ah, fuck you. Like I was looking for a job when I found this one anyway. So right. fuck, fuck you, fuck you kind of thing. I'll just go get another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know, kind of my attitude. I totally, I, I can totally yeah. see where you're coming from. It's my kind of attitude, but like with the economy, like it is, it's like, it's kind of like you can't just find another job. It's kind of like motherfuckers want you to like hold on to that job and like fucking mm-hmm. kiss ass and beg and you know, motherfucker, I got you know, you know, I've got my dignity here and I'm gonna hold that dignity. You know, I'm not gonna kiss ass for a job. So you know, yeah. You know. O- over in the states right now, you either gotta have a job or be pushing it like Tony Montana to fucking exactly have any cash. Like, and even it's rough for those guys that are doing the underground like, shit it's still rough so stick up artist and gigolo fucking you'd be cock for hire you could right. sell it by the inch whatever pays about, <laughs> sell it by the inch oh, get a buck fifty an inch fuck you get about <sighs> four bucks five bucks every crack hey some big money man <laughs> Oh jeez! Oh fuck! Yeah, I'm off. The t- I'm off the wall this episode. I don't know. Fuck. Must be overtired from being back at work and shit. I'm just talk- talking too much smack. Yeah. Well, now you are back to work. Now you've been like unemployed. Well, not really unemployed. I mean, just kind of like off on the back burner for what, like six months or was it five months or fucking almost eight months. Oh shit! Wow, man. Yeah. Almost so a year or so. Times are hard, fucking back at Craft Shank, fucking busting, busting hump and fucking kicking heads. And, yeah, things are harsh, fucking tired, man, fucking feet hurt from all that kicking ass. Yeah, well, I mean, you've been fucking on your downtime, so you're not used to probably being on your feet so much, huh? Mm-hmm, word up. Yeah. Plus, I gotta, plus, I gotta be up and, the fuck, I gotta be up in eight hours, holy fuck. Sure. <laughs> well, uh. Um... damn, we. Was this the last of the questions? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Well, uh, we'll we're not going to, like, uh, sit here and fucking drag this uh, intro out anymore. I just wanted to, of course, uh, ring in again that I uh, will be at uh, uh, Cinema Wasteland uh, April 1st. Uh, their convention will be running April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd all weekend. And uh, I just wanted to rattle off a few names that are going to be there and go down the list. Um We've got uh, Ruggiero Deodato, Michael Berryman will be making an appearance there, Francesca Ciardini, I think she was in um, Cannibal Holocaust. Francesca Ciardini! Yeah, right. We've got uh, David Hess, of course, everybody knows the, the king of fucking rape himself. Um, he invented it, the Hess man is in the house. He's we've got the uh, house. Robert Kerman, and I think he was in uh, Cannibal Holocaust as well. Uh, was he the um, inv- the guy that was like looking for the crew? I think. I believe him. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got uh, Carl Gabri- Gabriel. I reckon you're right. Gabriel York. Um, I think he was in uh, Cannibal Holocaust as well, or was he in Cut and Run? No, he was in Holocaust. Yep. It's like so. he's probably in both of them. Yeah, he might he have been. Um, they also had, like, an Evil Dead thing they were running, but I guess, uh, with, like, the ladies of Evil Dead, but, uh, Betsy Baker is not gonna be able to make it, but I guess she, um, did send with, I don't know, Ellen Sandweiss or Teresa Tilly sent some, like, pre-signed headshots for any fans that were, you know, hoping to meet up with her, they'll still be able to get a headshot, I guess, signed from one of the gals, so, yeah, that was very cool, I thought that was really 
stand up and everything. Like a lot of celebrities out there probably wouldn't think to do something like that. So they'll call them limited and only and want sixty bucks a pop for them probably. Well, I hope not, but that might well, be a limited possibility. To, limited to only the two hundred she signed, so we need eighty five, eighty nine per per picture. Right. Well, I don't know exactly how many she signed. I, I imagine it's probably a limited number, but uh, you know, they'll, they, if you get there, I guess I'm guessing they'll probably go quick on the first or second day. Limited and signed, like fucking numbered and everything. <laughs> right. Pocket the extra dough. Fuck, but, probably. Um, I wouldn't surprise it. Well, uh, like I said, Ellen Sandweiss will be there and uh, Teresa Tilly, and we also got uh, Tom Sullivan will uh, be there. I'm sure he's bringing the uh, copy of the original Book of the Dead down because I think he does that. I've read um, past shows, so... We've also that'll got be kick-ass. yeah, that'll be fucking awesome. I mean, like it, you'll get to that. see this. I don't get to see this. My well, I, I hope I can take some pictures, or I'm going to be bringing my camera down there. I'm hoping what my plan is. I'm hoping that I can do like a little maybe um, two part, maybe twenty minute little documentary well, on the trip trip down and to the show and show off the convention a little bit, and maybe um, you know some other fun. That'd actors. be real cool. Yeah, and I'll I'll put it up on YouTube, and of course, hopefully, um, you know, I can paste it up onto the uh, Facebook page, and you guys fuck that. Oh. We'll package it in in a DVD, and we'll sell it for thirty nine ninety five. We'll uh, we'll throw in uh, we'll throw in some uh, what some some hair from uh, from your comb, some excess hair from your comb in that package yeah. as well. So I'll even cut off a piece of my ass hair and throw it in DVD. Yeah. That's fucking a sweet deal. Dingleberries included. <laughs> For an extra twenty bucks, you could get one of my pillowcases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus! Really want to shill yourself, just, don't you? <laughs> I'm shilling. Yeah, I'm a shill. Shilling. So, um, also uh, for the first time, I guess at this particular show, uh, Tom Atkins will be making appearance. Nice. I think- will the mustache be there? I'm not sure. I think he still rocks the mustache. I don't know. I haven't seen him. Oh, I see. I think I did see a uh, convention video from uh, Melvin Scott Gregg. Uh, what was it? He was at uh, what show was that? Scream Fest. He was at last year. Even if he doesn't have the mustache, he should have one of them stick-on ones. So when you get your picture, you have the choice with or without the stash. <laughs> The stash is half the man, and he's got like five, like, five clip, five different clip-ons for all different eras. Yeah, all the different styles. Like mm-hmm. You get him to put a Fu Manchu on or whatever. Like if I met Tom Selleck and he didn't have the fucking stash, I'd be disappointed. I think Tom Selleck always rocks the stash. I don't think that man ever goes out the house without a stash going. He's probably got no upper lip. That's why it's just hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen him without the stash. So. His upper lip got cut off, and it's just like nose hair that grows down. Maybe that's oh. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, the All shit right. I come up with. When the, sh- when the intro rattles long, I fucking I get off topic. Yeah, well, it's all right. It, it's awesome. I love it. It works. So I guess I'll just rattle so, the rest of these names off real quick here. We've also got uh, oh, John, sure. John Carl Beekler will be there, and I'm, I, I don't know if he'll have any, um like, uh, past effects like uh, stuff there or not he'll be showing who knows I, I've never met him before so I don't know what he brings to these shows and I've never really heard about him like bringing anything so maybe that'd be cool though to see some like past props and stuff mm-hmm. is Joe Mama gonna be there Joe Mama <laughs> <laughs> 
that one composer. <laughs> yeah, we talk we talk about that in the next show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think he'll be making an appearance this this uh, convention. But hey, you never know. You never know. Might be a future be uh, horror round or something like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, we got to get an interview with that cat. Yeah, we'll get on that ASAP. <laughs> Uh, but uh, going down the list, we've also got uh, William Forsythe will be there. Um, here's one you'll love. Uh, Mike Mike Gornick's going to be there. Nice, nice. I know you'd love nice, to get nice. him to uh, sign like a Dawn poster, huh? Or like Martin or right. something like that. Creep Show too. He directed it. Oh yeah, he directed Creep Show too. Yeah. yeah. I think I heard Martin was his first uh, actual gig, S- like cinema uh, photography. Yeah. Yeah, like Romero just handed him. It was like, hey man, can you? Do you do you think you can run this camera and shit? And he said, yeah, I think so. I guess he shot or yeah, whatever. He, he did Martin, he did Don, he did Day. He fuck, oh, he did all the good, all the gooders. Yeah. The creep show. Yeah, and I remember oh, hearing yeah. uh, the Profondo Cinema guys talk about um, well, his work on Dawn, and I guess like a lot of those shots were handheld. And man, if mm-hmm. if some of the, if, if majority of those shots were handheld, that guy is like a fucking pro. Like he's got the. You better be getting them that in. Or that uh, autograph when you're well, there. Well, yeah, I definitely like to. Hopefully, you know, he's at his table. I mean, like I said, I'm only going to be there one day, and it's like, uh, it's kind of shitty because the show only starts on uh, Friday. It starts at like five, and I think it ends at ten. So I really only got like a five hour block there. But I'm going to do my best, buddy, and see what I can do. Mm-hmm. So I want to try to get around the whole convention though and see everything. So I trust you. Yeah. So um. <laughs> I- uh, continuing down the list, we've also got, of course, uh, the lovely Lynn Lowry will be there. And mm-hmm. um, also Radley Metzger will be there. And he um, directed that film, jeez, um, I was telling you about it not too long ago. I think it was called Scorer. And uh, I think I sent you, like, a thing on the DVD. I don't know. Um, I, I wanted to cover it because I hear it's pretty sleazy. It's got Lynn Lowry in it. Some lesbo action, I think, going on in that one. Hmm. Cool. So he directed that. Uh, moving down the list, we've got Judith Ridley. Uh, apparently, she doesn't do too many shows. Like, I definitely want to get her autograph. Like, uh, that's going to be t- definitely top priority. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, we've also got uh, Russ Striner. Um, is going to be making an appearance there as well. Um, we've also got a guy named Ghastly Ghoul. I don't know what he's into or whatever, but we've also got Amy Lynn Best, uh, Ron Bonk. 42nd Street Pete uh, is going to be making an appearance there as well. He's a guest. I think he's showing some uh, 35mm films too as well, so I, I probably... I thought you said he was showing some skin, I thought you were going to say. Uh, he might be showing some skin flicks, I don't know. I, I, I know he probably will have some uh, some of his uh, pornos that he's, uh, like his company, I know, uh, puts out films and stuff like that. He does a distribution uh, company too as well, so... Quality material, quality merchandise, might I add. Yeah, so uh, maybe pick up a couple pornos from uh, Pete. Uh, who knows, you know, whatever he's selling. Um, also going to be making an appearance, uh, Sal Lizard, um, a guy named Son of Ghoul. I don't know if he's like a uh, late night uh, like horror movie host or what. Some of these guys, I don't know. And then we've got Mike Plott. These must be like independent guys or writers or whatnot. They usually put them at the end of the list, you know. Yeah, they're like writers and horror hosts and 
geeks like us, some of them. Right, like right. Podcasts, so. podcast dudes, and yeah. writers for sites, and yeah. People involved in the genre, basically, so. I don't know. More or less. It's like a great guest list, and looks like it's going to be a great convention. I wish I was doing the whole weekend, and. Uh, I don't know exactly when they're showing the films or whatnot. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be around for any of that. I think that's the second night, but I'm not sure. Maybe uh, Friday night they'll be showing films late. Um, if any of you guys are going and you're curious about that, I think all the information's up on the website. It's uh, www.cinemawasteland.com, and uh, they've got all the information. And I'm sure they still have tickets for sale there. I think they're going to be $20 at the door now, though. So uh, I got mine for 15 I pre-ordered uh, back when they were cheap. I think think they've gone up to 20 now, and I think they've got weekend passes, of course. So uh, Still chance 20. to get out there. I mean, I just booked my room last night. So, I mean, there's... 20 Bones is still cheap, like, to be in that environment with all the like-minded people and... Uh... <laughs> Fuck it, you don't even have to like uh, go up and meet the guests and get the autograph. Just a chance to see them in person, like. Well, yeah, see there's them still all kinds the of other. There's going to be like Q and As going on. I know Pete's running a Q and A. I can't. I'm I don't... sure you'll catch a few of them outside having a smoke if you're right. hanging around like, the smoking area. Fucking catch your quick, get your quick fucking uh, quick talk on with them out there for free. Just a quick fucking uh, <laughs> quick conversation while you're having a smoke. Bum a smoke off them or. Do whatever right. you can. Exactly. And I'm sure you'll get more than what you're going to pay for inside. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You won't have a lineup behind you anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So, um, yeah. J-Dog's fucking convention hints, yeah. That's how to get free autographs and how to meet free celebrities. Just wait, wait in the smoking area. <laughs> a few of them are bound to come out there sooner or later. Right, exactly. So, yeah, maybe get a poster sign. So. <laughs> yeah. Cheap. Like, Excuse me. Fuck. Cheap ways to get autographs. If I was them, I'd fucking, as I'm signing the poster, I'd be burning through it with my cigarette. (laughs) And I'm signing it with and burning it. I'm sorry about that. I don't know. The the direct. Yeah, David S. If he put his cigar out onto my poster or something, that'd be the shit. Burn through my gun sheet or something. Yeah. One of them was like fucking snorting Tony Yale off my gun sheet or something. (laughs) I might. Might have a hard time getting that one back in the mail, though. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of coke not, residue. Might not want to ship that one across customs. Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, definitely. I think we've covered everything and kept <laughs> on long enough. Yeah, we're gonna be coming. You're starting it out this time. I'm, I'm we're saving the best for last. Gein the machine. Okay. I started it last time, so Andy's uh, lucky. Pierre, he's stuck in the middle this time. Yeah, uh, well, he's he's going to be mailing his one in, so that'll be perfect for him. Then just plop it right there, and we'll uh, bullshit, I guess, around it. So, Cool. Before and after. Well, yeah. wh- why don't you roll Good. the show out, buddy? Uh, get us into a break. These fucking guys are probably getting bored of listening to us jab about everything under the sun. But, yeah, you're listening to Exploited Cinema. Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. 
another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. Come up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Glenda said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing at the gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout. Actually, first class. Well, I've been thinking. Oh, God, say was there's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military blueprints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Dave, you made a mistake! Get away from the window. Paul, are you okay? No. Why'd you do it? You put your face out there for him to see. Hello? Who is this? Zodiac was my job. It's not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac speaking. I've begun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Toys go around helping people in the night. I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? A public service announcement by Satan himself. Hey boys and girls, when I'm not out wreaking havoc upon the planet, I'm checking out my favorite horror and exploitation t-shirts. And you know who's got them? FastCustomShirts.com Yeah, they got the shirts I like, like a water power t-shirt, a boss nigger t-shirt. Yeah, and they're cheap too. The cheapest damn shirts I've found on the net. So get on over to FastCustomShirts.com and tell them Satan sent ya.
Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're digging right into the serial killer month part two with uh, my pick, which is uh, the famous, uh, infamous, and still unapprehended Zodiac Killer. Um, basically, the Zodiac Killer claimed that he um, had 36, 37 victims um, from letters that he sent to like the Chronicle and police. But investigators agree on only seven confirmed victims, two that survived. And uh, basically, I'm just going to run through everything. Um, well, they suspected him of a bunch of other ones, eh? Well, he, he would try to, like, lead on in letters throughout the years. Like, this this mm-hmm. went on for quite a while that he was connected to this victim and that victim. And he kind of tried to pull Henry Lee Lucas here a little bit mm-hmm. later in his uh, serial killer career. Well, he put the beef out on 37 anyway. Exactly. So our first um, confirmed kill uh, was at uh, Lake Herman Road, and um, this took place December 20th, 1968. Uh, basically, Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday were parked at uh, like a sort of lover's lane spot. Car he apparently... Freak on. Yeah, basically. That was outside of Benicia, isn't it? Like the Italian sound in town. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, some, or something. but whatever. I'm not familiar with all the towns out there, but yeah. Uh, I've read a few books on this Zodiac. He's pretty pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like a car uh, apparently pulled up um, beside them. Someone uh, got out, and uh, it looked like the couple was ordered out of the vehicle before they were shot by like where their bodies were laying and everything. Um, basically Betty Lou was said to have had five shots in her back and really like nobody can account to exactly how everything went down. They just, they're just looking at like tire marks because there were no survivors, uh, or witnesses to this crime. Hmm. Yeah. No, no one to testify. Yeah. No witnesses. Exactly. Um, so our well, I, next- just, I just want to add like, uh, I don't know, just kind of way off topic, but, uh, wasn't it a rambler there driving or something? My old man yes, used to have was. he used to have two of those in the garage actually. So we were we were big into Dodge Muscle. So way off topic. He, he but. had he had one car and then like a parts car, right? Basically. Yeah, but they both ran. Yeah, I remember I, we fucked it up because me and my little brother filled the carburetor full of sand when we were like about. I was about four. Brother was about three. Well, that wasn't yeah, good. So. Way off topic, but yeah. Funny thing is, I knew a guy that had a a Rambler, and he had like one that was a parts car too, so as well. So, (laughs) fuck, it's probably my Ramblers. (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) Uh, but uh, yeah, totally off topic. But anyway, um, so yeah, that was the first murder. Um, Our second murder takes place at Blue Rock Springs. Um, This was on July fourth, nineteen sixty nine. Um, Darlene Farron and Michael Magoo. I'm not sure if it's how you, Magow or... It's Mr. Magoo's brother. Yeah, it's Magoo's brother, so... Um, they drove into Blue Rock Springs, um, Park in Vallejo and... Vallejo County? Is, that's a county, eh? Is yeah. That works in the States? Okay. Yeah, I think it's like a county, um, basically. And, uh, they parked, and I'm guessing, like, I'm not sure, they didn't say, but I'm guessing this area was probably a, like, um... Lover's Lane makeout spot of two as well. Yeah, well, it was only like three or four miles away from the, the, other the first one. murders happened. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was his creeping ground. 
So, uh, yeah, they went there and parked, and uh, while the couple sat, another uh, car pulled up and parked. And basically, like, almost immediately, um, they pulled out and left. Mm-hmm. Uh, about ten minutes later, a second car parks behind them, and someone gets out. Uh, this person approaches with a flashlight and a 9mm Luger. Uh, he basically blinds the two uh, with the flashlight and then just starts firing shots. He pro- approximately fires five shots into the car, um, hitting both victims. Uh, the guy then walks away but returns after hearing uh, Magoo moaning. Uh, he comes back over and proceeds to fire two more shots into each victim. like So a total of four shots again on hmm. returning. Kind uh, of his M.O. almost. Well, he wanted to make sure. It's almost military style or something like he wanted to make sure they were dead or whatever. Like, Maybe this goes back to my theory. Remember when I said like uh, yeah. how a high percentage of serial killers are all military trained and stuff? Well, it goes back to the MK Ultra brainwashing stuff. And uh, there's oh, a lot of there's a lot of theories on that. But um, I really didn't touch upon any of that in like what I wrote here. I'm just pretty much going to present the facts, you know, as they are and... I tried to stay away from hearsay and, like, new age detect, like, guys, like, uh, computer nerd, internet nerds that are sitting out there thinking that they're gonna crack the case, you know. I tried to stay away from that kind of bullshit, so. Oh, fucking J-Dog, he's all chock full of theories, and he, he thinks he's Professor J-Dog, so. <laughs> who, know, who knows what we'll uh, come up with by the time, who knows, fuck, maybe I'll find the Zodiac Killer. Hey, I no got, doubt. I got a few hunches few tricks up my sleeve about that anyway so uh moving on uh basically um the vallejo police received like a call from the killer a little bit after um the murders took place and uh he also takes place uh takes credit for um the lake herman murders in this phone call so they've automatically connected those murders now um so then, then begins like the Zodiac letters. Um, on August first, nineteen sixty nine, um, the Vallejo Times, Herald, San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner all mm. received nearly identical letters from Zodiac. Um, the letter also contained a uh, one third of a four hundred and eight symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed contained his identity. Um, in the letter, the killer demanded the letter, or not the letter, but the cryptogram be printed on front page of all three newspapers, or he was going to go out and start killing people all weekend, randomly. Uh, basically, the Chronicle was not satisfied with the letter. They didn't believe it was the Zodiac Killer, and uh, they decided to print the cryptogram on page three. Um, now, uh, Zodiac did not go out and... Uh, kill that weekend um that they know of as far as like confirmed kills or anything well he was beefing he was going to kill a dozen people and yeah like you said the chronicles chronicle kind of laughed it was like page four or something they printed it on yeah, kind of buried it uh in between like the entertainment section and the sports section probably yeah basically i think it was kind of like a nod to whoever was out there like Oh, and he demand. I mean, the uh, editor demanded more, like you know, proof or whatever. In um, I think the article that was printed, and saying, "Hey, buddy, you're gonna have to give us a little bit more for us to take you seriously." Uh, 
Yeah, he was like calling them out, like dialing one eight hundred, prove it. Like let's let's see some action, Zodiac. Right, put it on the table. So uh, yeah. total total media, hey? Like fuck, they want to see some bodies first before they even give a shit. Well, I mean, it basically worked because on August seventh, nineteen sixty nine, uh, they rele- received another uh, letter, and uh, this time the conv- killer revealed his name as the Zodiac. Um, in this letter, Zodiac included info that was only known by police. So this was kind of him saying, "Hey, you want a little bit more? This really is the Zodiac, and I'll give you, you know, details." That uh, only the police would know, you know, and I, I guess they, by, by this point, they are working with the police in Vallejo at this point, I think, right? They're, they're the lead on the case. Yeah. So August 8th, 1969, uh, Donald and uh, Betty Hand um, managed to crack the 408 symbol cryptogram. It contained a misspelled message where Zodiac claimed he was collecting slaves for his afterlife and that if he revealed his name, it would slow down or stop his collection of slaves. Oh, it's pretty smart thinking. Yeah, you don't want to just tell him, yeah, here I am. My, my name's Joe Mama. Come get me. Well, I mean, just with that statement, too, I mean, that, any any more claims down the road in letters of him saying, I'll reveal my name, is, is just bullshit from this point because, I mean, the guy is obviously uh, living in some kind of, like, psychotic uh, fantasy or whatever, mm-hmm. of some kind of afterlife. And I've heard of this with serial killers before that that not only their work their work is not just going to stop you know after they're dead in the afterlife they're going to continue on and I've heard this shit before and it's it's fucked up it kind of gives you like uh, you make your skin minions. crawl you're just hey. thinking you're thinking back to Shocker no no, no um <laughs> uh, what was that, that West, movie, West um, movie that was done it was a made for TV it had um, Tommy Lee Jones in it. Uh, I think it was called the Executioner's Song. He oh. thought he thought he was reincarnated and he was Jesus Christ. He had like the Jesus Christ thing, and that like it was his um, fate to be executed and everything, and that like he was going to become more powerful in the afterlife. Hmm. So these guys kind of like Horace Pinker. <laughs> well, I'm sure that movie took from reality, obviously, but I'm just saying yeah. what I'm remembering back from was. The film The Executioner Song, which is based on a real uh, killer. I don't know if he was a serial killer, but he had killed some people and shit, so and you can look him up. Actually, I'm searching for that movie. I'm trying to find it. I think it's out of print. So Interesting. Well, you got some of these weirdos want to go to the chair, like that Albert Fish. I'm sure if you wouldn't have had his uh, hand strapped to the chair, he would have tried jerking off while he was getting electrocuted. Right, exactly. That's so that's much of a pervert that little clown was. Well, I mean, I, I think that it might be, like, some kind of fascination with death and this hold on it that, like, when your death finally comes, it's, I guess, for Fish, it would have been, like, an orgasm for him, because he likes well, yeah, to do he, a lot of weird shit, so. He, well, that guy was weird. He'd stick sausages in his ass and paddle himself with a board of nails. Right, like, he liked pain. Choke his neck and, like, and eat little girls and all kinds of weird shit. Yep. <laughs> he was a weird one. <laughs> he was a weird cat. That's back in the day, too. Right. So but yeah, we're, we're talking Zodiac, right, though, not Elton right. Fish. Let's uh, jump back to our next murder, which is at uh, Lake Berryessa. And this is Lake on... Berryessa, yes. Berryessa, yes. And this is on uh, September 27, 1969. Uh, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard uh, were picnicking at the lake 
when a man approached carrying a 45 and he was basically dressed in an executioner style hood. Well, I thought you meant the guy showed up with some Colt 45 or something. Like, They're going to party. That would have been down. nice, I bet. Like, uh, we yeah, but I'm went... sure they would have appreciated that a lot more than like the 45 caliber. If, if that's how it went down, we probably wouldn't even be talking about it. <laughs> that's true. So, but, uh, Basically, but this guy definitely wasn't down to party just by what he was wearing. Uh, he, he's wearing like a ho- executioner's hood and covering the eye holes were like, I think like black aviator glasses that were clipped on. Okay. And um, he had like kind of like a bib thing coming off of this hood uh, that uh, had the symbol of uh, crosshairs on his chest. Um, symbol of the zodiac. Basically, yes, that's that has come to be his symbol. Um, the man uh, claimed. Well, I think it was known as the symbol of the zodiac before that. You know, it's also um, the symbol uh, that uh, Sarah Palin uses for her uh, her party there. Uh, that whole shooting—I don't know if you heard about that. They had like crosshairs or whatever, and that made me think of the Zodiac. I don't know if you if you oh. heard about that or not. That went. When down. I hear Sarah, Sarah Palin, I think of that porno. Who's nailing Palin? <laughs> With like Lisa Ann and her big titties and all that stuff. Oh, jeez, way to sleaze it off topic. <laughs> hey, you brought it up. Hey, all right, back on topic hey. here. Uh, so the man basically claimed that uh, he was escaped prisoner and uh, said he needed their car, which basically kind of eased their mind and calmed them down. That this guy's just, you know, he's trying to get the fuck out. You know, mm-hmm. he don't want to kill nobody. He's just moving along. So he talks them and uh, talks the boyfriend into tying up the girlfriend, and then um, Zodiac comes over and ties him up. And then... Well, yeah, he was claiming he wanted to get the Mexico, eh? Mexico. Right, basically. Like, he just was getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. And it did kind of ease their minds, I guess. But uh, shortly after he uh, he tied uh, Hartnell up, uh, he basically started fucking stabbing the fuck out of Shepard and uh, then moved on to the boyfriend. And uh, from there, he um, hikes back up to the road. And this is the first draws... time he used a knife, right? Um, yes, yes, it like is uh, documented anyway Threw that into the mix. Yeah. And he never did use the gun. He just used the gun to basically coerce them into, uh, submitting. Mm-hmm. Well, he does want to be heat score, I guess, too, and make a bunch of noise with the gun. He, he well, conv- I mean, convinces yeah. them, gets them tied up, may as well stab him, man. What the fuck? He's a mm-hmm. opportunist, if anything, too. Yeah. I don't know why exactly why he didn't use the gun. Uh, he, maybe he wanted to stabbed them this time i don't know also you know hinting on we can hint on it i guess of like your kind of theory of military training and that goes along with the mk ultra programming theory um i've read some things on there where like these people when they were programmed or whatever they were trained to use um different weapons to change it up Mm-hmm. So that um, the police couldn't. Uh, so you don't create a pattern, yeah. right? You couldn't couldn't create a pattern and uh, shoot one, choke one, stab one, bludgeon another, like fucking mix it up a little. Well, sometimes bit. they're told to even use weapons that are at the location, so you're not bringing outside yeah. weapons in. Rock off the ground, piece right? Of, piece of wood, whatever. And that's really scary <laughs> to think that too, as well. So, uh, like. A lot of these guys do. Like, uh, you familiar with Arthur Shawcross? No, I'm not. 
he killed a bunch of prostitutes, but he was a Vietnam vet, and he he would go out on like uh, fuck he had he had like forty some or maybe even more recorded kills. He'd go out on like night patrols by himself, creeping in the bush, and yeah, he was just a human killing machine, and he'd kill these hookers with whatever cannibalized pieces of them, like he'd kill like fucking Japanese like or Vietnamese villagers, all kinds of weird shit. You got to check out some books on them. Real well, crazy cat. You know, that brings me back to, to Bundy when we talked about him. That's why I kind of brought up um, on the last episode, like, uh, when he did those sorority house killings, he picked up a piece of wood outside of the sorority house. Yeah. You know, so he knew of these uh, these tips of the trade, I guess, or tricks of the trade, if you want. To, well, to... He's, a, he's an opportunist. He just yeah. use, use what's at hand. He, he, by that time, he was too fucking hungry and skinny to really choke him choke him out or anything so right exactly he's so, a bitch to begin with moving back to the zodiac he uh again he hiked back up to their car um art Nell's car i think it was and uh he proceeded to draw the um crosshair symbol and then he underneath he wrote um the valet he wrote vallejo and then the dates those murders were committed followed by that date that you know the current one that he was writing down murders that committed and um how he had done that one which was one word knife after mm-hmm. um he a knife he later uh called napa county sheriffs uh to report the murder and um they said that he basically left the phone dangling and they um were able to get like a a, a handprint i guess the inside of the hand uh, but they weren't able to ever match it up to any of the suspects. It was like still wet, a still wet palm print too, and they pulled it off like fucking. I think must have been swinging just, just like on the movie A eh, with Donnie Darko and shit when they when he's outside and they, I they would go imagine, there and the phone's like I'd imagine that it might have been like um, it might have been um, like dewy out, maybe kind of a little bit chilly, and that might have been dew that had been able to keep the handprint on there, maybe because they said it was. A couple hours in oh, really? between or something, so hmm. maybe um, greasy Vaseline on his hand. Maybe it was. Maybe it was a grease ball. Yeah, and he like rubbed his yeah. hands through his hair and left some kind of print. He's kicking his gong in the in the in the phone booth. Maybe who knows? Hmm. But uh, <laughs> the couple was never actually like discovered by the police. Uh, they were actually discovered by a man and his son fishing, and uh, they had heard. Um, uh, and imagine Hartnell uh, screaming because uh, I think Shepard would probably be at too much blood loss by now to even be able to get a scream out. Mm-hmm. And um, they were uh, uh, discovered and uh, taken into the emergency room, but uh, Shepard had lapsed into a coma and uh, she was never able to like regain consciousness. I imagine they probably just pulled pulled her off life support. Yeah, like. Uh... Bert Young said in Blood Beach, vegetable soup. In a nutshell. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, but Hartnell uh, did did actually survive that uh, stabbing, and he lived to tell the tale. So, um, Our next, uh, I guess, attack was uh, Presidio, 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 is that how it's pronounced? I guess, Heights. So it'd be like... Mexican or something, this California, so. 
Presidio uh, Heights. I'm horrible with names. Anyway, this this uh, attack took place October 11th, 1969. Um, basically, uh, a man entered a cab driven by Paul Stein. Um, this man asked to be taken to Washington Maple Street. Uh, the passenger shot. Then I guess Stein drove past Maple Street, and um, at this point, uh, the passenger shot uh, Stein in the head with a nine millimeter. And I imagine this probably uh, killed the driver, uh, Stein, like on on like instantly. Is this this is where the cops almost had him, wasn't it? Mm, in retrospect, yes. Uh, like yeah, like when you look at, they didn't know at the time. No, no, they had no. They were, they were looking for a black dude, weren't they? Yeah, they could have had him, uh, but yeah, they were looking for a black guy, I guess. Uh, but uh, this man, Fuck, fucking police back in the fucking late sixties, seventies, eh? Always looking for the black dude. Well, that's how they'd roll it, you yeah. know. Motherfuckers, if they would have had their heads out of their ass, they would have caught him that night. Well, yeah, as, uh, as I go down the line, there's there's a little bit more information. But, uh, yeah, basically, um, October 14th, 1969, uh, basically if, uh, was a few days later, basically, the Chronicle uh, received another letter containing a piece of uh, Stein's bloody shirt. And this letter also included a threat about killing school children. So, um, yeah, that basically right there was like a dead giveaway that uh, Zodiac had indeed committed this crime because it was like yeah, he was gonna blow up a school bus or something, wasn't he beefing? Um, no, that not this point. He said he was gonna uh, shoot out the tires of a school bus at this. Ah, uh, that's what it was. Pick him off the uh, school. The bomb on the school bus came, I think, in 1970, and threw out some letters. Uh, oh, okay. So, basically, more Zodiac letters continued. November 8, 1969, uh, uh, he mailed another cryptogram containing 340 characters. Um, this cryptogram, to this day, has never been decoded. People have attempted to decode this, but nothing has been, like, solid. Like, that was for sure what it meant, so... Um, November 9th, 1969, Zodiac mails uh, another letter, this time seven-page letter, where... He claims to have spoke to two officers three minutes before shooting Stein. This is basically when they realized that they could have had him. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Fucking police. I mean, he would have been, and then and they thought that he would have been covered with blood blowing somebody's fucking head off and shit, you know what I mean? Like, it was dark, but hot, you know, if you really would have uh, observed the man closer, you would have known he had blood all over him, you know? And if he would have gotten shook down, he would have had that piece of shirt he took yeah definitely like you said like if they would actually stopped and talked to him they would have seen like uh well in the movie at least he was covered in blood <laughs> like in the couple movie uh versions i've seen of it so i'd imagine he would have had blood he at least like you said would have had the piece of the shirt on him so he would have been he would have been red-handed probably had the gun with him right exactly so um April 20th, 1970, Zodiac uh, writes uh, another letter, this one starting out, My name is blank, and this one contains a 13-character cryptogram. At the end of the letter, he uh, writes Zodiac equals 10, San Francisco PD equals 0, kind of like um, keeping count, you know. Yeah. The uh, newspapers continue to receive letters from the Zodiac throughout the 1970s. Um, October 20th, 1970, Chronicle reporter Paul Avery receives a Halloween card from Zodiac written in the card. 
is a note. Uh, Peekaboo, you are doomed. Soon after this letter, Avery was able to link another murder to Zodiac. Um, not confirmed, but uh, he was doing some digging of his own at this point. Um, throughout this time period, Zodiac continues to claim responsibility for like a ton of other murders. I, I really wasn't going to go into everything because nothing is really confirmed, and I really tried to stick to the facts on this as um, the police and people know. So The facts, ma'am, just right. the facts. Exactly. Like so, Dan Aykroyd and Dragnet would say. Exactly. So um, the final confirmed letter uh, was received January 29, 1974. Zoniak, uh, uh, you'll love this, J-Dog. He praised The Exorcist as the best satirical comedy he had ever seen in the letter. He also includes some snippets from Mikado and an unusual symbol that's still unidentified. He concludes this letter with me equals 37, San Francisco PD, of course, zero. So uh, (laughs) Zodiac was a horror fan, I guess, to an extent. Cool. Well, cool to a point. Fuck Fuck him if he tries saying that's what made him do it. No, no, I don't think he said anything like that. No, no, but if he ever got caught, oh, it was like uh, EC Comics in the fifties. They fucking twisted my mind. Pornography my was, made. It was me my dad's it. porno. Like, come on, they didn't. They didn't even show fucking like pink and shit back in those days. Like titties and a little bit well, of ass twisted you that much? Like, very come on, now. It did. Hustler magazine was the first to show fucking. Yeah, but when these cats, Fred Eagle, these guys wouldn't have had it when they were young and influential, like Ted Bundy and shit claims. Like, who knows? We never, we will never know if how old Zodiac was. Who knows? He might have been a teenager. He could have been eighteen at the time, which he may still very well be alive. You know, so. Um, so I guess moving on, the Chronicle has received like many year, many um letters over the years up till two thousand seven. Um, but none of them has been confirmed uh, to for sure be Zodiac's handwriting. Um, I think over like that span of like time, somebody's handwriting could change. Not drastically, but to an extent. And every time they keep getting letters after um, the, the final letter that they did confirm for sure was Zodiac in 1974, um, all these handwriting experts could never say for sure that it was... Zodiac, they said it was similar, you know, but they could never confirm any of these later letters. So I, I didn't bother really going into Who knows? He could have fucking broke his hand or a lot of things that could have happened. Could have had. What I, my theory behind this is it's. Carpal the, it's, tunnel surgery or whatever. It's the same, it's the same theory I have behind, um, like, the Son of Sam killings is it was multiple people. It had to have been. It was a it was a team of killers, multiple people, and there was probably multiple people writing letters, and you've got multiple fingerprints. So you're never they're looking for one guy. There's three guys, four guys, five guys, twenty guys. You're not you're never gonna catch one you know all twenty guys if you're looking for just one man. You say it's a cult then. It may very well be. Uh, that's what some of the theories are out there that he was connected. They some of these theories go as far as to say he's connected with the Son of Sam killings too, as well in New York. So I mean that'd be on the East Coast. Um, I've read other things. There's claims um, that this person or these people are connected to the uh, Black Dahlia murder. 
which that dates back to what, like the 30s, the 20s or the 30s? I suppose they also kidnapped the Lindbergh baby and fucking all that stuff, too. Well, I mean, if you believe a lot of these theories and stuff, I guess you could go as far as to believe that, too, as well. So <laughs> we, we could take it as far as we want, I guess. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you could you could say that, uh, you know, Zodiac... Um, uh, what brought Jim Jones the uh, what the cyanide or whatever he used for the Kool Aid? You know, he, he, he you know he, he I know I know uh, Henry Lee Lucas tried taking credit for that one, but <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, he did. It's like yeah, I sold him the cyanide. Yeah, he said he he said he took it down to South America and delivered it to him. <laughs> Holy fuck, he's full of shit. <laughs> It's like John Gacy didn't like boys either, and he's not queer. Like, come oh, on, like, guys. Why do you got to lie about did things? You, did you see that video where he tried to claim that he didn't commit any of the murders and what was it? Yeah. Personalities and Fucking everything else. And he, I mean, these guys will claim whatever they want, and that's what it comes down to at the end of this. This is the shit I deal with on a daily basis at work, just on a lesser scale, but just the criminal bullshit and the lying, it's... Fuck, you just want to slap these motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I guess it's like, I don't know, I mean, you, like, I mean, you work the job, so, I mean, you could probably attest to this, but, like, like, uh, a world of criminals where, like, you never really can tell what the, what fact is from fiction, you know? I mean, that's kind of, uh, kind mm -hmm. of reflects society, at least in America, like, with the government and stuff, you never really can tell... Oh, who's totally. telling you the truth or who's telling you lies. So, I mean, these people are like, I mean, I can't account for Canada, of course, but I can account for, the, uh, like, the United States. These people are fucking products, and it's not a cop-out or anything like that, but these people Canada, are products, eh? products of their environment, man. Like, when society, the news and shit can't even give you the fucking honest answer, how do you think these people's minds are going to fucking work, dude? You know? Easy, that's all I got to say product of environments like fucking give up the welfare check and fucking grab a shovel Shit well like i mean if you're if you're if from like age five maybe that's, to maybe like that's just canada i guess fuck you want to work you can work like you can do what you want to do no that's not what i'm saying man if you're like eight, raped from like molested from age five to like 18 i i don't think i think you're you know, chances of becoming a serial killer are pretty good. Yeah. I think, I, personally, I think if you're molested from the time you're five to you're 18, you got some problems, because if I was getting molested that long, by about the time I was 14, I would have got a gun or a knife and killed the motherfucker who was touching Okay, but think about, think about this. What if it doesn't seem odd to them? What if nobody told them, like, if you don't say anything to your friends or anything about it, what if nobody had ever told them, there's something wrong with that? People don't do that normally in their homes behind closed doors. You'd think that was fucking normal. You know? I reckon if they keep you in a cage and don't let you watch no TV. Or well, fuck, have you heard of these, like some that. of these stories? I mean, oh, they, yeah. what was it four or five years ago they found that girl and she'd given birth to like five kids and she was in her 20s. And They didn't even have the motherfuckers in the house. They had them out in tents in the right, yard. Right, exactly. That's like what I'm saying. Even, people are getting, trying to stash it out. Like, people fuck. get away with this kind of shit. I mean, here in the States, like fucking all the time, man. Like child slave, you know, labor and, you know, all kinds of shit. Yeah, you need to move it to Canada, eh? Oh, that. buddy, I bet you it's going on up there, too, and they you just haven't figured it out yet about some of these people. Like, Oh, we got it. We got it. All kinds here. Like, yeah. 
I, I, some of the shit that I got come through my jails, this is bad as the shit you hear on the news in the States, but no one cares about well, it here. Well, like, don't you guys have, um, like, laws that people, people's names can't be said on the news or whatever? They just can talk, like, um, about the incident itself? Oh, fuck them. If they, uh, if they're over 18 and they're fucking busting out some sick shit, they talk about it on the oh, news. Oh, dude, they'll say their names and shit, really? Oh, fuck yeah. Well, wow. Well, why, why hide the greasy? Exactly. Fuck, fuck them. I know in some countries they don't do that. They won't say the names of the people that were involved. Oh, we'll say the names. We'll just we'll just let them out in three years. That's all. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Revolving door. Yeah. You gotta, well, you gotta be a designated or a dangerous offender to really stay in jail for life now. Well, what's the criteria for a dangerous offender in this day and age? <laughs> you, you gotta be like have a bunch of violent defenses and a lot of assaults and depends what kind of greasy shit you're doing like right there's a dude recently got convicted what did he raped and robbed two women he got a life sentence and they're going to try to deal him to keep him in forever as long as they want because life sentence 25 years you can be out in 10 yeah so 25 at the max yeah crazy yeah crazy well, I guess to uh, wind, I have a little bit more on Zodiac just to, like, wind this whole segment. Uh, oh, yeah, please bust up. it yeah. up. Uh, I keep pulling you off topic. No, it's all right. It's it's all interesting, and I know, well, uh, you know, listeners out there really dig some of the off-topic stuff, so it's all right. And it's mm-hmm. it's within, uh, you know, it's a serial killer month, man. So, I mean, you know, deviance in general, I guess. So Yeah, everything goes. But uh, on February 19th of this year, America's Most Wanted featured a, uh, I guess, a little segment on their show about the Zodiac, and they had a photograph that resurfaced of uh, victim Darlene Farron and a man they think um, might be the Zodiac, and they, they put it out on their show, and they want like people to identify it. And um, I went to a website that uh, basically, from a lot of people out there that knew... Um, the gal and like knew the the circle of friends she was hanging out with. They think that for sure the guy in the photo was her husband, so or her ex husband. Oh, now, yeah. do they know? Like, because he's he's always been brought up that he might have um, done this. Because uh, did you, I don't know if you've seen the film, uh, the Zodiac film. Um, what is it? Uh, who directed that? Uh, <laughs> I should have it here. You know, I can't remember it. The fucking one with. Uh... Motherfucker from Donnie Darko and played oh, a game. It's got Cowboy Robert Downey and, Jr. in it. Yeah, stuff. Robert yeah, Downey. The, the recent one they Jake put Gilmo. out, I think it was 2004, came out, didn't it, or 05? Yeah. Maybe, maybe later than that. I got stuff. the 70s big box VHS Zodiac Killer. That's where it's at. Yeah, it's a Zodiac story that. with a little funk, a little disco. Well, yeah, they'd always suspected uh, uh, Farron's, uh, I guess, ex-husband here. For years, but uh, could never confirm it or whatever, and I don't know if they couldn't track the guy down or or what. Um, so, and the the other guy was uh, what was his name? Uh, they had him. Sus- they they suspected it was him, but like I think in early two thousand uh, confirmed that it uh, it wasn't Arthur Lee Allen. I think his name was. Okay. They basically took stamps off the envelopes. Um, I watched it. It was a 2020 special. And uh, they tried to get the DNA off the stamps and um, tried to match it up 
uh, to Alan's DNA. They had some some of his DNA. He had died, I think, in early '90s. Uh, but I think it's his daughter or son or someone had the had the uh, DNA evidence, and they compared it, and it wasn't it wasn't him. So, but this brings up the whole possible multiple killer theory too, as well. Or who knows? I mean, this motherfucker could have had his dog lip, licking the stamps and shit. You know. Could he use ass sweat to seal it, or who knows? Well, wouldn't there be DNA in that, though, you know? I suppose, yeah. Tap water. I, I guess, you know, they because uh, they had such a hard time even trying to pull DNA off of it, I wonder if they could even try to distinguish whether or not it's human DNA or not. I, that was never, I don't think that was ever said, whether or not it was human DNA or animal DNA or what, so. He's a sly motherfucker. Well, uh, you know, I... I keeps bringing me back to this theory that I don't think it was just one man. I mean, and he's the only serial killer other than, what, the Black Dahlia killer. To You're making what, it sound like it's a bunch of, like, military-trained ninjas. Never been, never been <laughs> apprehended. Every serial killer, I mean, look at Green River. I mean, he even got fucking popped finally, you know, so. He's really the only known, well-known serial killer out there that hasn't been apprehended yet, you know? So it makes me think that one guy couldn't be this smart, but, uh, you know, a group of guys or gals, leave out the women because it could be women, Ninjas. It could be anything, you know? Shokashugi and a bunch of ninjas, yeah. I think, like, like, a group of people would be able to cover their tracks better than one guy, so... Mm, not necessarily. You get the group of people, you got more tracks to cover. One, one, well, one, uh, one meticulously well, well planned, one planned out, well look, planned out. One dude keeps look, his mouth shut, never jabs ever in his life. Yeah, you can keep it smooth. That's a group of people. That's a lot of lips to keep sealed. Like, okay, you but get, you might get, you might get this, some man. fish lips smacking eventually. Look at this, though. You know, with you like, saying leather that, leather lips but... sink ships, man. Look at this, though. These, they, I mean, it was obvious that the the police were looking for one man. So, how hard would it be for a group of people to pull off this? When, yeah, we've got handprint here, but it doesn't match up to the suspect. Oh, we've got multiple uh, samples of handwriting. They don't all match up. You know what I mean? Suspect See, they'd have to be taking, taking turns. They'd have to be taking turns going. They couldn't be going in well, like. Well, what if what if the guy that's maybe writing one the guy driving, us, one guy doing. The guy that wasn't writing the letters wasn't a suspect, so they never tested his handwriting. The guy that left a, a handprint was never. Well, that's what suspect. I mean. Each person would have to have their own individual job and not stray from it. Like one guy drives, one guy does the killing, one right. guy fucking writes the letter. Fucking is that so far fetched? I mean, look, I at, look at a mil- look at and then let's come back to like military training. One guy run does this. He's a gunner, and one guy runs the tank, and <laughs> it's very similar to military. One guy keeps a latrine, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very similar. So to military training, and it sounds like this guy, or if it was one guy, I mean, he he was trained in many different weapons to use different many different weapons. I mean, he used knives and many different guns, and you know. I think he was a hardcore fucking vet that just got back from Vietnam. Myself, Possibly. highly trained, high, one highly trained dude that did. That's right in the time he could have went and done short stint, fucking in Vietnam, back, fucking batshit crazy. Eh? That's just my theory. 
could have been anything. Dude. I mean, you also can think too during the '60s. I mean, that's re- really where you had this like uh, huge uproar of these serial killers popping up too, as well. So, mm-hmm. a love was free. You could attribute it to uh, to uh, military training, I would think. So, well, definitely, well, Vietnam, Agent Orange, all that shit. Fuck. Fucked with a lot of post post uh, traumatic fucking stress syndrome, all that shit. Fucked with a lot of these guys' heads, and yeah. You you look into the, I bet it's over fifty. I bet it's a strong forty percent of fucking American serial killers have some kind of military background. I bet. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, if you watch the uh, Zodiac film, I mean, there's all kind. I mean, the 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 cartoon artist there that wrote the big novel. I don't remember what the title of the novel is. I never read it or anything, but it's what the film was based off of. I mean, he mm-hmm. did some digging, and he he you know he had checked out um, what was it military libraries where these books with um for the uh, cryptograms. Looking for right. trying to bust the code, yeah. Right, he was trying to bust the code, and he found out that these books were were gone. They just had disappeared. And then there was the uh, military issue wing walker boots that were they had the footprints from um, what was it, the lake there when he came out with the hood and everything on. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of there's a lot of um, clues that point to uh, someone that was trained in the military and that had military history. So Military man. I'm not sure if Arthur Lee Allen, I think that, that's why they were looking at him, because he did have a military background, and I seriously do think he had a hand in this. I, I think he might have been the, the guy that did the killings, but I don't think mm-hmm. he was the one that wrote the letters, nor do I think he was the one that uh, that left the handprints and made the phone calls, so... Mm-hmm. That's hard to say. It's all for debate and internet nerds and wannabe sleuths and all right. that shit. Exactly. I said exploited cinema. We don't know fuck all. We just bring you the little facts that we do know, and the rest we just kind of make up as we're going along. Exactly. <laughs> well, at least on my end, anyway. But yeah, no, it's that's an interesting case, man. Like we could go on forever about this. There's so many theories and no, oh, fuck. It's endless, the Zodiac. Well, yeah, that's kind of why I picked him, because he's he's probably one of the more interesting cases, and, and of course, because he's not been caught, you know, so, I mean, we don't, we, you know, a lot of these serial killers, uh, we wouldn't even have uh, the majority of the stories if we hadn't apprehended them and they hadn't given their side of the story, like, uh, I was looking into, like, Dahmer and, and all the details Dahmer, I mean, he pretty much cooperated with him and said, yeah, I'm a sick fuck, study me. And he wasn't trying to get out of uh, execution or anything. He wanted them to execute him, actually. But uh, Wisconsin doesn't have a death penalty, so that wasn't going to happen. But, uh, well, he got his wish, so. He got what he wanted in the end, yeah. Right, exactly. But, I mean, just guys like that. I mean, he brought so much to the table as far as information he could give um, as far as insights into, uh, like, um, nut jobs mind, I guess, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Into the mind of a screwball, yeah. Exactly. So I guess we'll uh, jump uh, into a break here, and uh, I guess when we come back, we're going to be talking some Kemper. Uh, Andy will be uh, sending in his uh, recording, I guess, uh, a la Cannon Corner style Mm -hmm. this week. Cannon Corner Kemper this week. Can't wait. (laughs) 
should be pretty kick-ass. Definitely. So with that said, we're going to jump into a break. And, of course, you guys know what you've been listening to, but uh, we always seem to roll the show into a break with it. But uh, yeah, we, like, we, we, we like to beat it into your heads, but you're, you're listening to Exploited Cinema. There have been two brutal killings committed in the last 48 hours. The murders had a pattern. So we killed her somewhere else and then dumped her here. The clues had a trail. She's been out here at least 12 hours. The case led to a friend. Ed, so where are you headed? Genius IQ with a gift for criminology. Your friend is responsible for doing half the town. I will bring him in. There's nothing you can do to help the dead, Tom. We have a chance. A chance for what? Nothing is more shocking. Where's the girl? Did you let her go? More frightening. He's a cop killer. Than the truth behind the terror. How many others have there been? Check the kitchen. Kemper. By the time it was over, we were family. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Andy the Dream Warrior here. Um, Serial Killer Special Part 2 here. I picked Edmund Kemper. Um, I'm getting this a little bit late to the guys, so I hope it's still included on the episode. I hope I'm not too late, I guess. But yeah, I just wrote up a little thing here about Mr. Kemper, so I'll just read it to you and then I'll kind of throw my thoughts in afterwards or whenever I'm reading it. And I also have a interview I found on YouTube I think would be really good to put in here, so I'll probably throw that in here as well. Nick, if you want to edit it out because it's too long or anything, that's okay. But I'll throw it in here, and if you want to keep it in there, cool. All right, here's what I wrote about Edmund Kemper. Edmund Kemper was born on December 18, 1948, the only son of his parents, Ed Kemper Jr. and Clarnell Strandberg. He was, a very, he was very bright as a child, but showed signs of being sociopathic ever since he was young. He was often involved in cruelty towards animals, and he also showed bizarre sexual interest by molesting his sister's dolls, playing with fire, etc. He also showed a bizarre interest in necrophilia, as his sister dared him to kiss a teacher who he had a crush on, and he replied by saying that before he kissed her, he would have to kill her. Edmund Kemper was very close with his father, and when his parents divorced in 1957, he ended up being sent with his mother to live in Helena, Montana. His mother was a violent woman, and Ed hated her. She was often verbally abusive as well. She made Ed sleep in the basement with the doors locked because she thought he would rape his sister. After having his fill of being humiliated by his mother, Ed ran away to California when he was 15 years old in hopes of finding his father and living with him. Once he got in contact with him, Kemper was told that his father did not want anything to do with his son, so he sent him to live with his grandparents, Edmund Kemper Sr. and Maud Kemper, on a 17-acre ranch in North Fork, California. Much like his own mother, Kemper hated his grandmother as well. In August of 1964, Kemper shot his grandmother to death while she was writing a children's book she had been working on for a while. Kemper's grandfather came home shortly after and was shot to death as well. After the police arrived, Kemper explained his crimes by saying that I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill Grandma and saying that he killed his grandfather because he knew he would get angry at Kemper for killing his grandmother. 
After this, Kemper was committed to a Tascadero State Hospital, where a test conducted on him gave the result that he had an IQ of 136. So Ed was a really smart guy. That's I don't know if that's almost genius, but I'm thinking that's a pretty solid uh, IQ. He's a pretty smart guy. And you can really tell it, actually, in uh, this interview I listened to and all the other interviews on YouTube. Just search Edmund Kemper, and you're going to find a really well-spoken guy that kind of seemed like he knew what he was talking about, but uh, very very uh, interesting, kind of scary, actually, that this guy is so normal, but so crazy at the same time. Um, after serving less than a five-year term in prison, Kemper was released to the care of his mother, even though this was against the wishes of many doctors at the hospital that knew how Edmund felt about her. In his early 20s, Edmund landed a job with the State of California Department of Public Works, uh, kind of working on the highways in the state and stuff like that. By the time he started work for the state, he had reached a height of six foot nine and weighed about 300 pounds, so Edmund was a big motherfucker, big, big in every way possible, I guess, uh, which probably made him a lot more intimidating to everybody. Uh, his main murderous rampage began in May of 1972. He was known for picking up female hitchhikers, taking them to isolated areas, and murdering them. His preferred method of uh, killing was to stab, shoot, or suffocate, strangle the victims. He practiced necrophilia with many of his victims. He would decapitate them, have sex with the corpse, and presume to dissect them. One of the triggers he admitted to sparking the murders were arguments that he would have with his mother. In early May of 1972, Kemper picked up a two 18-year-old students from the University of California, Santa Cruz, and drove them to a secluded, wooded area. Once there, he choked and stabbed both of them. He then brought the corpses to his room at his mother's house and took pornographic pictures of the bodies. Once finished doing that, he dismembered the bodies, put the pieces in a bag, and disposed of them in the mountains. He kept one of the girls' head to have oral sex with. Another murder occurred in September of 1972 when Ed picked up a 15-year-old Asian girl and strangled her. <clears throat> he brought the body to his mother's house as well and raped and dissected her as well. <clears throat> he also performed experiments on her corpse. After dismembering this body as well, he buried her head in his mother's garden. Another victim was killed in January of 1973, but instead of strangling her, Edmund used a gun and dismembered and disposed of her body, much like the previous girl's. The next month, two more students, aged 23 and 24, were murdered in much the same way as the girls before, first being shot, then brought to his mother's house, sexually abused, and dismembered. The crime that Edmund got caught for by the police uh, was the murder of his mother. On Good Friday of 1973, he killed her in her sleep with a claw hammer. Uh, he decapitated her and used her head for oral sex. After this, he used her head as a dartboard. Uh, really showing uh, how much he hated his mom, I guess. Uh, he then did something symbolic. He tore out her vocal cords and put them down the garbage disposal, but they got caught up in the disposal and kind of got puked out by it into the sink. Uh, Edmund later said it seemed to be appropriate, as much as she had bitched and yelled at him over the years. Even after all this, his rage was not satisfied. He invited her over. He invited over his mother's best friend, 15 year or sorry, 59-year-old Sally Hallett. When she arrived, Ed strangled her to death and then left the house. He began driving, uh, intending to leave California, but when he heard about his crimes on the radio, he became discouraged and called the police, turning himself in. 
He went to trial and tried to plead insanity, but was found sane and ultimately found guilty of eight counts of murder. He received life in prison, although he did request uh, the death penalty. They wouldn't give it to him. I think there was some ban audit or something in California during the time of his trial. He currently resides in general population prison at California Medical Facility in Vacaville, California, so he's still alive, and he will be eligible for parole in 2012. Uh, that's all I got for information on him right now. Like I said, um, really interesting serial killer, uh, kind of one you don't hear, hear as much about, not like the Ed Geins and the Dahmers and stuff like that. Um, always found him really interesting. It seemed like his crimes were really brutal, and I also found him really interesting because he was such a mellow guy and well-spoken and Having an IQ of 136 is a really smart guy, which is really scary. You think of serial killers being bumbling fucktards that live in the hills and shit, but this is a smart guy that, you know, had a lot of stuff going for him besides his shitty family, but yeah, that's all I got. I'll throw the interview at the end here if you guys want to fast forward over it or if Nick wants to take it out, whatever you guys want to do. Uh, it's about six minutes long, so it's pretty long, but... Yeah, thanks guys for listening. I am the Dream Warrior. Um, stay tuned for the Cannon Corner on future episodes. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Exploited Cinema. I'm an American, and I went off the deep end. Ed Kemper has been serving a life sentence in this California prison since 1973, when, at the age of 24, he murdered his mother, then called police and confessed to having dismembered college co-eds for two years and raping their headless bodies. When someone abandons himself to being a victim... He's going to have to be one. With an IQ of 136, Kemper is now the prison's best reader of books for the blind. I'm saying I've wanted to kill my mother since I was eight years old, and I'm not proud of that. It started with surrogates at a non-human level. Physical objects, my possessions, other people's, destruction of things that are cared about. And then destruction of things that are living on a lower level, small animals, uh, insects, animals, and then finally people. It started coming to a head again, so I went back down. I ran away back down there. And then a month later, I'm up living with my grandparents in the mountains, and ten months later, I murdered them. It made it worse to be on top of a mountain. I was literally on top of a mountain when it happened. And I could sense, I sensed everybody in the world just stopping what they were doing, turning around, saw what I did, and are coming to get me. And I knew I was paranoid at that moment. I knew anybody that came up there and gave me a funny look or a fishy eye or quizzical look, I'd have blown their brains out thinking they were coming to get me. And if it had been in a city, I would have been a mass murderer at age 15. I would have killed until they gunned me down. I wouldn't have been able to reason my way out of it. I was scared to death and I was violent. I felt my back hit that wall. I was the rabbit that always ran, that always backed away, always burned his bridges. Suddenly there weren't any more. And my back hit that wall and I came out screaming and kicking and shooting. He was released to the one person that authorities at the state mental hospital recommended he never see again. I got paroled to my mother. Atascadero decided that I didn't ever need to talk to her again at all. Don't give her a Christmas present. Leave her alone. She got her pound of flesh out of you. I wasn't sniveling about my mother to them. I didn't like to hear what they had to say about her. She went through three husbands like a hot knife through butter. When Four months after I was out, I was back into the fantasy bag. My first date was an absolute disaster. It wasn't her fault. You know? And I didn't blame her even then. I'm saying it was a terrible tragedy, but boy, was it, boy, she didn't ever talk to me again. It was awful. It wasn't sexual or grabbing at her and I was just such a dork taking her to a John Wayne movie in Denny's it's terrible I'd never been on a date at 16 that was cool you know I'd never been on a date you know I was locked up since I was 15 but I can't tell her that
oh, gee, you don't mind me. You know, she kind of got hung up on my looks or whatever. You know, I mean, she's a gorgeous young lady, pure class. And she saw something there that I guess wasn't there. And, boy, she found out quick. Taking elaborate precautions, he drove around universities and picked up hitchhiking co-eds while wearing these glasses. Yeah. These are the ones. Now, would you get in the car with this man? Huh? Hmm? State has made me much more credible as a human being. While his mother worked at the university, Kemper buried the mutilated bodies in the mountains and took the severed heads home. Then he slept with their heads for days and finally went looking for more. But I was losing a grasp on something that was too violent to keep inside forever. As I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it, or looking at it, and I'm about to go crazy, literally. I'm about to go completely flywheel loose and just fall apart. I say, wow, this is insane. And then I told myself, no, it isn't. You're saying that. And that makes it not insane. I said, I'm sane. And I'm looking at a severed... I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see old paints, paintings and drawings of Viking heroes talking to severed heads and taking them to parties, old enemies and leather bags. Part of our heritage. This is me back then in 1972 and 73. Unable to live with the fact that I just stabbed to death and cut the throat of an innocent young woman. Innocent in the sense that she did not plan on that happening. She didn't do anything specifically for that to happen to her. Yet she was a very active participant in her own death. And in my memory of that, she was 19 years old. And her roommate in the trunk who died right after that was 18. I think the hog wild and totally limp. What I'm saying is I found myself doing things in an attempt to make things fit together inside. I was doing sexual probings and things. I mean, in the sense of striking out and reaching out and grabbing and pulling to me, but appalled at the sense that it wasn't working. That isn't the way it's supposed to be. It isn't the way I want it. See what I'm saying? I picked up two girls who were so much like the first two, it was unbelievable. Almost identical circumstances. And I let them go. Everything went towards killing them, and I didn't. But I'm saying, wow, it's uncanny. It was almost like it was meant to be that way. And I said, wow, I've got, this got to stop. And I let them out. They never even knew what was going on. I let them out. I would have gotten away with those two being murdered. I said, no, it's got to stop. And a week later, I murdered my mother. Went back to Santa Cruz and killed her. He killed her with a hammer in her sleep, cut off her head and hands, but then put her vocal cords in the garbage disposal and threw darts at her severed head. I am an American. And I killed Americans. I am a human being, and I killed human beings. And I did it in my society. Wow, Andy, thanks, man, for sending in your uh, your segment. Uh, obviously, wasn't too late. And um, yeah, I can't, we can, we're going to keep the interview and everything because that was like a great little tidbit there. Um, lots of information. I actually had checked out that interview. Um, it's on youtube if anybody wants to actually watch the video he actually still really does have that pair of glasses that he would go out and, and kill with so nice well you sure you sure smooth shit talker eh yeah you know honestly from like from like most of these guys even if they're really laid back like um like uh Dahmer, i've seen him in interviews he was real laid back he still made me my skin crawl because he would sit there so subtly and talk about some of the stuff he would do, and it didn't seem to affect him at all. 
Kemper, Kemper almost seemed like one of the boys. Kemper's, yeah, Kemper's weird. I mean, I could have, I could have seen probably hanging out with him. I, I could have seen probably being buddies with him because he, he's a really likable personality. He seems, and I think it's probably bullshit, but he seems to have like remorse for what he did to an extent, like, um, like a rabid dog out of control. Like, please, somebody stop me. I, I'm out of control. I can't stop myself. Because, mm-hmm. like Dahmer, he had asked for the death penalty too as well. He he felt like he was like a rabid dog. He needed to be put down. There was something wrong with him, and he realized it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they wanted to do the things they did. Like, it just had urges were just that strong, and they just overtook them. And it's kind of where they came from, anyway. That's their explanation on it all. Right. Yeah, I think um, with like they weren't pure evil. They didn't like jerk off to the thought of it or anything. Well, Dahmer, who knows. Yeah, Dahmer, he, I mean, I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but we're not, um, but Dahmer, he said he, because in an interview, I think it was like, um, uh, well, he fascinated about making sex slave zombies and all kinds of weird shit and even tried, eh? Well, he had a problem with like, he had this problem with being able to control his own reality and he threw Mm -hmm. what, and I'm sure Kemper was the same way, like he had trouble with the ladies, he could, you know, people didn't like him and stuff and he wasn't, you know, socially accepted same thing with kemper so i think and kemper was maybe a little bit more socially accepted by people i mean his personality and stuff but yeah. like Dahmer, he wanted he wanted to control these people because he wanted to control his own reality he wanted to control his life he wanted he was it was an out of control lifestyle and this was the only way he could get control of things mm-hmm. word i'll go with that and I think Kemper were probably was the same situation. I think his life was out of control, and and this was a way that he could be power in 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 a place of power. And I think any of these series, like Bundy, Bundy was a mm-hmm. real. Power oh, it's all about trip. the power and all about the control. Because yeah, these guys never really. Well, a lot of them they've they're yeah they've been shunned by the ladies or abused and stuff, and they look at themselves as pieces of shit and stuff and. Yeah, it's the only way they ever get the control and the respect. Like, they've been bullied, a lot of them, and stuff. So it's it's like the super nerd that snaps, finally. Yeah. Well, Kemper's an interesting, and I never looked into Kemper. And I want to thank Andy for, for picking picking that particular serial killer, because I never looked into anything on him. I'd heard about him in the past, and um, I'm glad I've that I was able to... I've always been interested in Kemper. Uh, um, yeah, I'm glad I was able to research into him, because he's, he's an interesting example of, like, a lot of people say, well, maybe if we can get it, we can we can try to rehabilitate these guys, you know, and catch them before they do something like this. Well, fuck, Kemper did this as a child. And he was how old? Uh, 13, 14, 15? 15, I think, when he killed, killed, his, killed his parents. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he killed his grandparents first, yeah, and then his mom with the claw hammer. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just a, one of those situations that's like you, you couldn't even have stopped this guy early on. I mean, when when would you have figured it out early on? Would have probably been about, you know, teen, early teen years, and this guy had already killed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you going to do, lock him up as soon as he starts ripping the heads off his sister's dolls? Like, Right. I, don't, exactly. I, I even did that as a kid. Like, my sister had this life-size doll that scared the fuck out of me. And I don't know, it's a little off topic, but me and my brother, yeah, we fucking more or less dismembered it and fucking buried it in the spare lot next to our house because we didn't want nothing to do with it. We right. broke its arms off and shit and buried it in a hole. 
But that was because of like obviously you said you were like freaked out by it. Like Kemper, I yeah, think did we didn't do it to get our rocks off, no. Because the the dowels um were were uh you know lifelike and that they mm-hmm. were a female's body and stuff and like he would take them apart and stuff like that. It's, it's very very vent the rage and the feelings he was having. Yeah, right. It's very similar to like Dahmer's like early fascination with the insides of animals and stuff like that. And I don't know, you know, maybe Kemper had um, fascinations with the innards and stuff like that because obviously he would dismember these bodies too and and play with them, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Bundy did the same thing, but Bundy is a type. He's only going to give you the information that he needs to give you at the time. Like if it's going to save his life from going to the get, to go, you know, lethal injection or whatever, he's going to do it. You know, uh, he probably had all kinds more stories Ted Bundy did, and he just didn't even share them because that's the type of character he was. He he just told you what he needed to tell you to get what he needed. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, Bundy, he'd be humping the guts and stuff, too, though, yeah. He was totally, Kemper, uh, well, yeah, like, he had remorse somewhat. He he wanted to get caught. He, I'm sure, uh, like, eventually, like, Bundy, he got caught. He would have never turned himself in the way Kemper did. No. Well, they say that Kemper turned himself in because he, they think that he wanted to take credit for all the murders. He, he It wasn't that he was... Um, remorseful or scared that he was going to get caught he because they didn't even nobody he'd even found the bodies or anything at this point he wanted to take credit it was about they thought at least that it was about the glorification of of killing these people and being like a celebrity at least that's what i've read so Hmm. interesting yeah no that's awesome that andy uh, got this together for us though yeah kemper he's uh not not a lot of movies about him is there even yeah, there's, there's one, there's one there? film that Lionsgate put out in 07 or 08, I think, called Kemper, the co-ed killer. It's not okay. very good. You've seen it? I haven't seen it's it. It's terrible. The guy doesn't look anything like Kemper, other than he's got a pair of thick-framed glasses on. <laughs> mm. And he's kind of intelligent. I mean, they, they should have found, like, a, you know, they could, they should have got uh, Big Show Kane. to do it, like Paul, Paul White or, or yeah, yeah, Kane or someone Kane, like that. Kane Hodder. Could, this this is one serial killer he might actually have been able to pull off. Well, not, I mean, the he's, height, not, he's not quite that tall. Yeah, he's not that like, quite he, tall. He could manipulate yeah. that with the camera. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think Kane Hodder probably could do it. And like I said, uh, there's guys from wrestling that I think probably could have pulled this role off too as well. Maybe not the acting side of it, but uh, as far as the, the, the size, yeah. And also, this film was not, um, because I know Andy really didn't touch upon much of, like, film adaptions, but I don't think he's seen this film, but, uh, the film is, is not a period piece, like, it's all, if it takes place, or it's set in modern times, like, he's driving modern cars and stuff like that, so. It's not even historically accurate, it's terrible. I, I don't recommend it to anybody. So fuck that, then. We're not recommending recommending that at all. Watch a documentary if you want to see anything on Edmund Kemper. You'd right. Be better exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. And there's plenty of them out there. I think there's um well there's interviews and stuff. Most of the stuff's on YouTube that I could find and track down. So I think California has a new law. Um, it's not really new, but it, it's because of Manson. Um, that they don't they won't do like video interviews or anything in prison with prisoners anymore because people were making money off Manson for so long, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's probably why we haven't heard from Kemper 
in a in a very long time because I think a lot of this stuff was shot in like the late seventies, early eighties. That you know is interviews with him or whatnot. So. Well, you got anything else to add? I guess before we roll into a commercial. Yeah. Well, no, I don't have anything else. I, I guess we probably should get into a break because this this segment's probably going about twenty minutes, half hour now here. So. Uh, I guess we'll roll her on out. Uh, you want to do the honors? All right. Once again, thanks to Andy, the Dream Warrior, and you guys know what you're listening to. And if you don't know, open your freaking ears. It's Exploited Cinema. Imagination. You think Ed killed Colette? She's hanging in his cellar! I love you so much, Mom. Steve Railsback. Carrie Snodgrass. Hi, Mary. Truth is more terrifying than any fiction. Of course, some folks are... Pretty disturbed, though, you know. <laughs> Ed Dean. ever convicted of two murders but he was a grave robber and well 
Some people think he was a necrophiliac, but if you ask Ed himself, he said they stunk too much. That was his, one of his quotes when asked if he had uh, sex with the bodies. Yeah, his main thing was that uh, he wanted to wear the skin and stuff, and uh, well, yeah, that was a sex uh, change and stuff through that. Later on, and later on in his life, yeah, like yeah. I guess I'm jumping ahead already, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Gein, he was born in uh, La Crosse County, Wisconsin, actually, and uh, I think it was when he was a little young, like when he was a little older, his parents decided because they ran a little uh, grocery store or whatnot there, and they sold it and. They moved out to the what would be the Geen's permanent farm. Like his mom, Augusta Geen, uh, kind of a lot like uh, Norman Bates's mother, which we'll discuss later on in this. Uh, she was a real like uh, God-fearing woman and stuff. So she uh, got her boys out to like the country to get them away from, well, I guess the the lusts of the city. You know, that's, Sin. That's why, you, that's why they keep you away from Detroit, eh? Sin. They were trying to oh, keep him away from there's sin. sin. There's sin. There's lust. There's everything in the yeah. city, man. There's hookers. It's the de- the devil's work, as she put it. Well, yeah, like Gein, like he was. Uh, he was actually a lot of people thought he was stupid. Like you hear, you often hear him referred to as uh, slow and kind of a dimwit and stuff. But he wasn't bad in school. Like he really excelled in reading. And I don't know he didn't get much schooling though. Like it. Uh, they just worked on the farm, the poor Gein boys. Him and what was his brother Henry, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had real. I think it was more of a antisocial personality than just being slow. But maybe yeah. not even that, because a lot of people seemed to like him around town. Oh well, yeah, he was he was lovable. He was uh, like the women around town trusted him to babysit their kids and stuff. Like uh, he was a handyman. Him and his brother would go around fix things up. Like like they weren't idiots. They were just. Uh, <laughs> They're just simple farm folk. Maybe, maybe just uh, sexually frustrated. Well, I'm sure they weren't getting much pussy. Uh, they, I've heard it said that he was a virgin. I could see Ed being a virgin. Yeah. Too. Uh, totally. Yeah. And his dad was kind of a meek man too. Like his his mom his mom wore the pants in the family. Like she, well, every Sunday I think she'd have like Bible uh, readings for the boys, or if not even daily. I can't remember. I've read quite a few books on Gein. Yeah, his mom, his mom ruled with an iron fist. The dad really didn't have any say. He ran the farm along with the boys and fucking brought the money in for Augusta. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't long. Uh, like, I guess it was about 1940 when uh, George, Eddie's get, dad, he died of a heart attack. And so it was just uh, Augusta and the two boys alone at the farm. So the boys are working odd jobs. They're running the, running the farm, doing whatever they can to make ends meet. And yeah, like, uh, by this time, though, they're getting a little older. Like, uh, Henry, he kind of questions Augusta a little bit. Like, I don't know, he's, he's not as, uh, he's not as slow as Ed, I guess. Like, Ed's a lot more of a mama's boy, and he just, mom says jump, he does how high, whatever she wants. And Henry, he's got, uh, he's probably got dreams of fucking getting off the farm eventually, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like, fuck, who wants to be out there forever? Especially, like, by the sounds of how Augusta was, she was a real bitch. So, what the fuck, like, He's not as slow as Ed. Fuck, he, he wants to get pussy eventually. Like, fuck, have his own place, maybe some kids. Well, I mean, they had, like, meek living arrangements, too. I mean, like, the place didn't have electricity or anything. I'm sure oh, they shat in the outhouse or something. Sh- so. in the fucking bushes out in the outhouse, yeah. Probably lucky if there's running water. Well, probably wouldn't be running water right. for a while, I'd imagine. Yeah, and Henry probably wanted to get into the city, get in a nice apartment, get himself a girl, get himself a job, and... Uh, at least get into downtown Plainsfield, anyway. Right, yeah, get the fuck out of the hip cats. 
Fuck yeah, because it was a pretty isolated farm. That's like where why they decided to buy it in the first place. Because like I guess it was really besides uh, school. Ed didn't have any contact with people, mm-hmm. and he didn't go to school. Like maybe grade six. I can't remember what his education was, but sure as fuck wasn't a whole lot. And by the time he was done school, he was pretty much cut off from everyone besides the odd jobs he'd do. And you'd see him at harvest time and shit like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'd only be seasonal, like fucking the boys bust out harvest. All the sim- simple Ed would uh, come out and he'd run a thrasher or whatever the fuck they do in Wisconsin. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess you've I never been know. to Wisconsin. I'm, no, I've never been to Wisconsin. So hmm, cool. Yeah, like like, like I was saying, uh, Ed and his brother, the Henry, they had conflicting views, I guess, on what Augusta was preaching at them and. Wasn't long after this, uh, like in it was May sixteenth, forty four. Uh, Henry, I guess, according to Ed, this is his story. They decided to burn off a bunch of marsh grass and shit on the property, and the brothers were burning it. And as the night, as it began to get nightfall, I guess Ed claims he lost sight of them. And I don't know, I guess with the smoke and it getting dark and everything, fucking says he couldn't find his brother and. And the next day, he brought the cops out there, but lo and behold, Ed knew exactly where to take them. So it's kind of suspicious, but uh, never never really followed up by the police. Like, it was kind of fishy, too, because the place where uh, he was found dead, like, the grass wasn't even burned there. Well, I, like, from from the sound of, like, uh, His brother, the story yeah, and... His head and shit. Yeah, from the story, it sounds like, uh, I guess they didn't really have enough to go on, and, but they it sounds like they made note of it, because, I mean, you're, lo and behold, you still have the story of it, so... Yeah, yeah, they listed it as asphyxiation, like, I guess by fire. From inhaling the smoke, I would smoke, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, what I could, I could see happening is, like, Ed and his brother out there working, burning the fire off, like burning off the grass and shit and having an argument about some of the shit that goes on at the house. I could see that. And, mm-hmm. Ed brained him in the head with like a shovel yeah. or something because they're probably or kicking. Uh, or whatever. I could see Henry having his back turned, talking some smack, probably called Ed a fucking simpleton or an idiot or something mm-hmm. and took one across the head. Like I would explain the bruises on his head. Well, it's not uncommon for people to like burn off grass and stuff like that. So, oh no, but I we're mean, but he didn't have no but he didn't have no burns on him, so yeah, you can't exactly. say that he got caught, you know, within a fire. And anyway, how high was the grass? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and like simple Ed, like his plan. Oh yeah, I'll go tell the cops. I couldn't see him, but he's too stupid to actually walk around to pretend to look for him. He just kind of stumbles upon him instantly. Oh, here he is, like. Like, come on, Ed, like, fuck, put two and two together, like, come up with a decent plan, but, right. I don't know, whatever, the simpleton, they, uh, they just figured, fucking, well, they never, no, no one questioned it, I guess the family had had enough hardship, like, uh, like, George just died not very long ago, and, like, another death in the family, like, that's, these people have been through enough kind of thing, small town, well, small it was town. perfect for Ed now, because, I mean, it was just him and Mama now, so. Exactly, so if. If, like, maybe my theory's right, and it was because Henry was talking shit and stuff, yeah, Ed's got his dream now, his dream date. But this wasn't the last long either, though, unfortunately for Ed. Because it's like, it was, like, almost, uh, I guess it was a little more than a year, about a year and a half. Like, Ed got to live alone with his mother, and I'm sure he cherished every minute of it, but, uh, like, she started to have a series of strokes, though, and uh, she died, like, uh, a few days before Christmas in 1945. Mm-hmm. Even Ed devastated, all alone, 
is one and only true love. Yeah, cause I could see like the descent into madness, kind of like Norman Bates now. Like he's all alone. He's fucking. Well, you got to think. Like I said, no electricity out there. He sure don't have like no connection to the outside world through TV. Well, he sure is fucking going to sit there and watch VHS or anything. So right, like, exactly. Like, pretty much sit there with his insane thoughts. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure Ed was spending his free time devastated, fucking sitting on the farm, like we said, kicking his gong, doing his his mind was probably coming up with a plan. It's descent to madness, more or less, is probably this time. Because he's still he's still out in the community. He's doing odd jobs. He's got to he's got to keep up the farm like man's got to eat. Mm-hmm. But he lived he lived a pretty meager life, though, like uh, a lot like Norman Bates and Psycho. He has boards up the mother's room, like he boarded up the living room, boarded up pretty much the whole house except for the kitchen. And this uh, it wasn't even much of a bedroom. It was more like a fucking storage room. Like I've seen pictures in the one book I have of Eddie Gein's house before it burned down, like the police pictures from that that night or the next day. And yeah, yeah, it was a fucking pretty small room, like very meager living. Probably just living like a total fucking bum. Well, well the, he was. I seen the pictures, but, but he yeah, was getting the, the photos was, I've seen that you're talking about. He looked like he was. Um, it looked like an episode of uh, what is it, uh, Hoarders? Uh, with shit piled and garbage all over and stuff, and totally like, living in squalor. And I th- and I've heard like his mother's room was like untouched from this because he boarded it up. Like he wouldn't go, you know, he would never go in there. So a lot of the house, the living room, pretty much all the rooms she used were untouched. Yeah, yeah. kitchen and kitchen and Ed's room were a fucking. It's a fucking little bit of all sorts all over the place. Well, I guess in the he had the the porch out front that he'd use or whatever out back, the place where he had. uh was it Mary Hogan hung up? Yeah, there? it would be like his little, uh, I guess his work shed. His butcher shop. Shed. Yeah, cl- for cleaning deer and stuff like that, I'd imagine, was what mm-hmm. it was supposed to be used for. Yeah. It was in this time, though, yeah. like, during Ed's descent in the madness is where he, uh, he got a lot, he got into reading a lot of, like, about Nazis and, like, death cults and true, true crime, like, adv- those adventure, those dime store novels and shit back in those, those days. Yep, yep. Like, he had a real kick out of that. Like, the police said there's stacks of, like, uh, Nazi memorabilia and all this uh, different kind of magazines and Probably true crimes. Probably a copy of Mein Kampf sitting there, too, as well. Oh, fuck, all kinds of weird shit, probably, yeah. <coughs> oh, pardon me. <clears throat> yeah. A little cough there. But, yeah, like I said, like, uh, Eddie was only ever convicted of the two murders, but... Uh, it was uh, not long after this he started to creep around the graveyards. Like, I think Ed claims he had about 40 trips that he made. He, he did it in a daze, though. He claims that he blacked out. Like when he'd uh, go on these uh, ghoulish trips to these three lo- three uh, local graveyards that he'd uh, frequent on a almost frequent flyer basis. But he claims on 10 times, though, he actually brought stuff home. Yeah, well, they didn't believe him at first because they didn't think one man could... Um, dig a grave up like that yeah on just one night but uh sure enough they checked those graves and they were like empty i guess yeah they dialed 1-800 prove it and fucking graves come up empty yeah well he was a cunning little fucker like he uh i think he'd watch the obituaries he was an obituary watcher and he'd uh look for women like he liked to he liked to find the the big robust ones that like middle age kind of resembled his mother is what was he was going for and 
He'd watch the obituaries and wait for them to be buried, and he'd go, like, within a day or two, when the ground's nice and soft, scoop them up. Oh, he wanted fresh ones, you know. Yeah, but he wasn't having sex or anything, but uh, I guess... That we know of. Well, he claims they stunk too bad, as what Gein said. Well, haven't we come to the conclusion that these guys claim all kinds of shit? Yeah, that's true. I I almost believe Eddie, though. He's too simple. (laughs) He didn't try to lie about fuck at all. Right. Yeah, weird, twisted little dude. But yeah, no, he'd like be bringing these uh, bodies home and stuff, and like, it was well, probably about a year after his mother's death. Like he decided he uh, wanted a sex change. And, like back in those days, it just uh, I don't even know if that sex change operations are possible back then. Oh, really. uh, I mean, you got to think back then. I mean. People weren't even doing, like, abortions and stuff openly. You had to go to, like, a backdoor clinic, so, like, a sex change would just be completely fucking ludicrous. But I don't know about... Especially um, in Plainsfield, Wisconsin. Well, yeah, definitely not. But maybe breast augmentation, stuff like that, might have been um, something they dabbled in maybe back then, but I doubt it. I'd say the furthest you would ever get with any, like, um, physical change to your body would have probably been liposuction. Richard Speck, he ended up getting titties when he was in jail. Well, I mean, yeah, I I mean, you don't even have to, all you got to have is the money, you don't even have to have, like, a psychological evaluation, but now for a sex change, you do have to have a psychological evaluation, so, I mean, Eddie wouldn't have even been able to pass that, even if they had something like that, so. Hmm, possibly not, eh? But yeah, I guess Ed's plan, though, that like, I guess he didn't want this to get out and about either. He didn't want people to know the weird shit going on in his head. So uh, it's kind of this where uh, Silence of the Lambs comes into play on its uh, impact with Eddie Gein's story in cinema's uh, Ed's creation of like the the woman's suit, this, like uh, made like with titties and breasts and all that stuff, and he put that on, and I guess he'd like dance around in the moonlight all on his farm by himself. At night, he'd wear the suits and put the masks on. He had like five or six different masks. Yeah, this scene is uh, actually reenacted in the uh, Ed Gein uh, film. Uh, is it? Was it from 2001? Yeah, he's dancing out in the moonlight. Okay, I haven't Naked. seen that movie. Um, yeah, it's got cool. Steve Rails back in it. Have you, least, you never seen that one? No, I haven't. At least oh, they took okay. something accurate from the from like the real story. Well, I'd be honest know. with you, that's probably the most accurate. Um, you know, film adaption I've ever seen, so... It's beat for beat, pretty much. I mean, they don't try to say... Like, I've seen um, a couple of them where they tried to say, like, he committed five, six, ten murders, you know, and this one's pretty accurate. It's beat for beat. It even throws the um, Nazi, uh, like, uh, magazines and whatever else, books and shit he used to read in there, too, as well, so... Oh, nice. Well, at least they're sticking to the facts, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess we may as well get to the murders. Like, and the only, there's only two, so. Yeah. But uh, it was November, like, November 16th, 1957. Just picture this. Uh, Plainsfield, Wisconsin. Like, the city's, the town's pretty much ghost town because it's deer season. All the men are Snow out covered. Snow yeah, covered, yeah. I think fucking it's, like, you got uh, Bernice Ward, and she's working the local fucking hardware store, and you have uh, Simple Gein. He's kind of hanging out and creeping around the place, and. He goes in, he buys a jug of antifreeze. Like, you know, he shoot, then he shoots her with a twenty-two, and they disappear. 
I guess this is the only way they uh Well uh isn't he um the twenty two the twenty two is actually at the shop. He's acting like he he's just, gonna buy it. He's this gonna buy it, yeah. And he loads so, a shell in, huh? Puts a bullet in it, caps her, yeah. And then uh the like the only way they kinda tied Gein to this, uh it was her son, I think it was, uh remembered Gein in the day before, like uh asking the price of antifreeze and they look on the receipts and he was the last person in the store. To make the purchase, yeah. Yeah. He comes in, buys antifreeze this day, and all of a sudden there's blood on the floor. Fuck, his mom's missing. It's like, well, we better take a little trip out to Eddie's house and see what the fuck's going on here. Well, that wasn't the first murder, though. No, Mary Hogan was the first right. murder. Uh, Do you remember they, how that one went down? Uh, Let's jump into that one, because that was like a year before. Yeah, what well, was the one where they found her face uh, in the in, in, like her mask, her fa- a mask of her face in like a bag in Ed's house? Well, he wasn't even a suspect. Well, yeah, initially he was a suspect because he was at the bar at the time. They went out to his house, they questioned him, they didn't suspect him at all. And well, he'd always was... make jokes that he'd have her, like the boys would be like talking about Mary Hogan, and Simple Ed would be like, "Oh, I got her at my house, boys. She's sitting there right now." And they thought it was bullshit, right? Yeah, they're like, yeah, sure you do, Ed. It's like, fucking go jerk off kind of thing. Well, he shot her with, like, a, what was it, like a twenty two pistol or something? It was a, it was a handgun, yeah. Yeah, when, while her back was turned, she was closing up the shop, and he was pretending he was, like, drunk, I think, wasn't he? He might even something have been. Something like that. Record, yeah. Or I, he, think I don't know, he, probably, he claimed to have never had a drink. Never, well, I don't know. I bet he, I bet he let on, well, he's going to tell the police that, of course, so they wouldn't just, suspect him i would imagine that uh he probably acted like he was drunker than mm-hmm. he was and lured her into you know hung around to the very end right exactly yeah. like like a like a you know rummy that's passed out on the bar and they've got to like kick you to the street and... yeah it's like cliff clavin at cheers it's like time to go cliff right last man out it's like we don't care about your facts so i can beat the street like fuck. right yeah, she was the first. Yeah, like there was only two, and like Bernice Warden was really where the uh, where the pinch came. Though it wasn't until mm-hmm. later that Mary Hogan was even discovered. That because uh, one of the cops lifted like when he seen was a clump of hair in a bag, and he lifts it out, and like he recognized the face right away. And I could just imagine the scene in the house, like holy fuck, boys! Like you better come see what I got here. Well, what that, they, that's what everyone found, would have been they, saying. They like, found they opened up the shack and they found the. Um, a little bit of every, all sorts. He's uh, hanging there with her head off, basically gutted like a deer. And that's yeah. when they knew to go into the house, right? She was split open, yeah, like, uh, and she was. She was gutted and hung like a deer. Yeah, and that's when they, like, ventured into the kitchen, and, like, there's fucking all kinds of shit. Like, he had, uh, like, cereal bowls made out of skull tops and boxes, like, with clits and noses and... Yeah, like a belt made out of like nipples and like lampshades made out of skin. Fucking like, pretty much like you see in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like the, that's where you get these visuals. Is uh, like picture the furniture and the kind of shit they had going on. That's uh, that's pretty much it's Ed's kitchen and his dinner table look like. Oh man, I've heard even that he had um, blinds of, of like uh, pussy lips or whatever that mm-hmm. would like open and close and shit. Man, this motherfucker would. What He's kind creative. of mind thinks up this? I mean, yeah, I mean, not only did he go and find these organs, but he would, like, sit down and be like, I'm going to make a fucking blind of pussy lips that open with a pull string. Like, 
where where does a mind think of these things? Like <sighs> only Ed with no power out on the farm, I guess. Actually, he had, like, frustrated. Ten heads and nine skin masks. Like he had, he had like all kinds of masks. He'd be a different woman all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he had like his suit and fuck, ugh. twisted little dude, man. I'm sure there was shit that was probably so hideous that they didn't even want to list. It was probably some stuff that we yeah. have we've never even heard about. Right, exactly. That only those investigators know because. I think a lot of those guys are pretty scarred, and it, it uh, put, like, a black mark on that town. Oh, shit, well, yeah, well, they were going to have an auction to sell off Gein's property and stuff, and the night before, the fucking whole house burned, like, really all that survived was a little shitty bit, little bit of equipment, and Ed's car that uh, that Carney bought, and put yeah, it on the circuit. that out. Yeah, 25 out. bucks to, to look at it, or see it. I think, I think it was 25 cents a pop. Oh, back it was day, 20. It would have been 25 today. Who knows? I wonder if that fucker still exists. Ted Bundy's car is still around. I'm sure Dean's car is still somewhere. Hard yeah, to and people claim they've got, like, Manson's uh, black, uh, black, I think it was, like, a, a VW bus or whatever he had. I hear that's still around, too, so. Fuck, hmm. Tex Watson's truck is still out in the desert rotting away out there. You can go out to the desert and see that fucker. So it's just sitting out there. Yeah, it's like been stripped and shit. Um, uh, I think it's what is that? The six degrees or whatever. Uh, helter skelter. They show it in there. People have come and picked parts off of it. I think someone grabbed a steering wheel. You know, souvenirs. Okay. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. So yeah, I guess like all this cops got all this shit. So they got like they got Eddie picked up, but uh, like he got roughed up a little bit, and uh, like the sheriff in Washoe County there uh, decided he was gonna. Put a little roughing up the Gein to get some confession, confession out of him and banged his head against the brick wall a few times. And I guess the right people found out. And uh, Eddie's uh, first confession was ruled inadmissible, I think. Yeah. Like it's fucking something that really haunted this uh, this cop, like, all his life. Like, they claim he was one of Ed's last, like, his third victim because this guy was so traumatized by, like, some of the shitty scene in Ed's house. And kind of like, uh, well, I guess I was going to... Re- compare him to Jason Moss and Gacy, but this is a cop that I guess was so hell-bent on seeing this guy fucking go down and just traumatized by the shitty scene and fucking, and he fucking had a hate on for Eddie, he fucking, I guess he figures he should have been allowed to smash his head against a brick wall a few times and fucking confession would still stand. Well, you know, it was interesting you brought that up because I think that's probably why um, Ed was able to get, you know, the uh, insanity plea, yeah. Mm-hmm. True that. You got you got to play it by the books, man. But shit, I mean, well, I mean, he would have went to prison. He uh, they didn't have no death. They still don't have a death penalty in Wisconsin. I mean, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have uh, fried for it or whatever. So I mean, and the guy, I mean, I really believe the guy is so sick and twisted that he probably was insane. Oh, I I guarantee he was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, he was having hallucinations and stuff like that. So. He probably hallucinated yeah. up till the day he died, you know. Probably. Well, this is big news. Like this is all over the world. Like this, you got to think this is back in the in the mid fifties. Like people like this ain't never heard of shit like this. Like this is front page news. Like fucking probably all in Asia. I know it was in Europe. Everyone in the U.S. was fascinated by this. Like it was fucking Eddie Gein mania, man. 
Well, I mean, yeah, it was so infamous, and I mean, I well, the jokes, the newspapers, geeners, like all the geeners is what they referred to those Eddie Gein jokes that popped up. Like everyone you met, all these squares back then had these little Eddie Gein one line jokes, and fucking yeah, it was it was, it was a fucking carnival atmosphere, probably almost. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the news crews rolled into town and everything, is when people started to really like, uh, get, you know, get into the town and just. Mm -hmm. Start looking at the house, and you've got people outside of his house, and yeah, it's just uh, well, the people circuits, in town. I'm, yeah. I'm sure they're not feeling fucking being interviewed and all, asked all these questions by all these fucking strange reporters and stuff. Like, I could see why. I'm sure it was a few people in town, a few of the right people got together and made sure that fucking house was going to burn down, and well, someone fuck, wasn't going to buy it, make make it a museum or something fucking gay like that. Eddie, uh, you know, he babysat some of these uh, some of these people. Yeah. Kids too, as they well, and I'm sure they were getting questioned, you know. Yeah, like, well, he ate at these people's tables, worked on their farms, babysat their kids, and he was a part of the community. Like, these people were fucking shocked, and they just wanted to forget. Like, they didn't want nothing to do with it. Kind of put a like he's like you said, it put a black fucking thumbprint on the fucking town. That's what it did. But yeah, like, uh, well, I guess long story short, we all know, like, he goes to trial. He's uh, con convicted of one count of first-degree murder, but, of course, he's ruled insane. So he's dumped off in the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin, where he sat. And I think until he died in 84, I think, eh? Yeah, I think it was, like, a, was it heart failure or something like that? Yeah, respiratory heart failure. I think he had cancer and shit, too. Oh, yeah, he, it was, was, he died at, what was it, 77? Yeah. Yeah, he died in '84. Is when he died. Yeah, lived a lived a pretty long life. So seventy-seven years is fucking quite a while. Yeah, I think if he would have gotten into a penitentiary or something, he probably would have suffered the you know uh, a different fate way sooner for his crimes. I mean, yeah, sex, he's sitting there sex, with all the madheads, borderline like a, a sex offender. You know, well, they they would have kept him pretty doped up. I'd imagine. I'm sure he just sat there and fucking stared at the stared at the fucking floor or at the ceiling or who knows yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah that's pretty much gene in a nutshell and like uh if anyone's well, never not heard only it, that but there was uh his head his headstone uh got stolen it disappeared huh? at one time yeah. yeah and they finally recovered it now it's in like a museum and people had like Chip well, they had to put chunks it in a and shit off of it, and all the Gein heads, all the fucking trolls and stuff were coming. Yeah, they wanted a little piece of the headstone, and yeah, someone I guess said, well, "Fuck it, one day we're just gonna take the whole thing." Seattle, they found it. Fuck yeah, like Wisconsin, Seattle. It's quite I, a way. I imagine they probably they didn't just find it; they probably had to buy it back. So I'm sure someone seen it at someone's house or something, and. It was like, ah, it's pretty creepy, and phoned the cops, or who knows? Possibly. Who knows how they got it back? Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, like, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be feeling that either. Yeah. But as like, I uh, mentioned a few times, a lot of people know, like, Eddie Gein's had a huge, huge, probably the biggest out of any of them, well, guaranteed the biggest out of any of them uh, in cinema. Because it wasn't long, like, uh, well, Robert Block, he was hearing about this shit going on in the news and stuff, and that's where he got the idea to write the book, Psycho. Yeah. And that was that was written, like, only a few years after. Well, he wrote a trial. couple books, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, he did Psycho, Psycho uh, 2. But it wasn't long, like, fuck, it was, well, when did uh, Psycho come out? Was it 1960, 61? 
Um, I think it was like late fifties, wasn't it? Late fifties, early sixties, some something so like you, that. I think it was so early there you go. Sixty-one. Like, like Psycho, like the book was probably a year within the trial, and then the movie was a year within the book. So, like uh, the whole Eddie Gein uh, story, it didn't take long, like to, to get its in- infamy. Like it's not like it was a legend that built over time or anything. Like the fucking. These pe- pe- people jumped, like, no one had ever seen or heard any of this shit. Like, Robert Block, he jumped on fucking the idea to write a fucking best-selling book, and Hitchcock jumps on the idea to make the fucking, what some people say uh, is the quintessential horror film. Mm-hmm. The granddaddy only... of modern horror. Exactly. Oh. And then it's uh, Toby Hooper, he decides, oh, fuck. Like, back in, what was it, early 70s, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to take, like, uh, the whole Eddie Gein idea and twist it in another way. And what if there is a family of these fucking grave robbing, twisted fuckers, and they use chainsaws? And it's, sure, it's really loosely based, but it's more on, like, the the atmosphere of the Gein house Uh and the whole fucking uh, skin mask. That's what they took a lot from that, too. Like, Eddie, Eddie wore a skin mask, leather face. And Leatherface does show a lot of homosexual tendencies too. Like he wants a sex change almost. Well, yeah, he, he is. A, he dons that female uh, role halfway yeah. through the film. Yeah, so depends which version you're watching, and or, mm-hmm. I guess which which of the sequels he gets queer in every one of them. I think he goes he goes uh, lady for a little while. Yeah, totally. And uh, like Silence of the Lambs as well. Like the whole Buffalo Bill idea that he's. Uh, Kidnapping these women and uh, using them to make a like a, a dress out of skin. That's right on Eddie's line there when he wanted his sex change and he'd dance in the moonlight and his fucking suit he made of all the women he grave robbed and skinned. So yeah, like a lot of different uh, Gein things were touched on like our a lot of our favorite films. And then you got the straight up Gein adaptations like Deranged from '74 and I've never seen that in the light of the moon. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah. And then there's the one with Kane Hodder. Is that Butcher Plainsfield, eh? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think it, the best one's from, I think it's 99 or 2000 it came out with us. 2001. Back. Yeah. Yeah, the one that's just Ed Gein. I think Deranged from 74 is pretty fucking badass, too. Ezra Cobb. That's pretty uh, spot on. Well, it is and it isn't. Like, he, yeah. he kills that girl in the woods or whatever. and That's got some beef to it, too. That, yeah. That's kind of added, and then they changed the name because they didn't want to get sued or whatever, I think. so. Change the name of the town and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, historically accurate, the most historically accurate one is the Steve Railsback one. So. The Ed Gein, yeah. Definitely, if anybody wants the, you know, the real deal you know, uh, story, I would check that one out. But, like, if if um, it's a situation where, like, you're kind of into, like, stuff like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, you may like um, Deranged, because it's got some facts in there, but then it spins a yarn, and it's kind of fictional, mm-hmm. um, similar to that adaption, so. And Butcher Plainsfield, that's a shitty, no offense, but Ed Gein was a little meek man, and Kane Hodder's a big hulking maniac yeah yeah i think i've seen that one time not, not a good was, casting uh, choice it uh i think he was like just killing all kinds of different people and like it just uh didn't stick nowhere near the story i don't if that's the one i'm thinking about and I'm he pretty goes sure in and butchers is. all the planes field yeah he's fuck, like killing just the all two kinds women. of I'm gonna people kill everyone. Yeah, right yeah. so 
yeah, they, there's fucking tons of books, like uh, Deranged by Harold Schleinder. I can't remember if pronounced the cat's name, some German cat. Mm-hmm. Deranged, anyways, the book I got it. It's fucking great if you want to like get all the dirty facts about him. I'd love to hear like an audio interview. I th- I think there's one out there, like an in-depth audio interview with with the man uh, himself. Because I mean, he did live till '84. Mm-hmm. Is there no there's... documentary footage shot of um, you know, in-depth interviews or what? I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe not that we have access to. Yeah. But like he's well, there's been songs written about him, like the one in the. I think that uh, Blind Melon song that I played, that's about Eddie Gein. Mm-hmm. The one in the video, I think Slayer's Dead Skin Mask is uh, got a little Gein in it. Well, there's even a musical, for fuck's sake. Like, yep. There's Eddie, Eddie Gein, the musical, in well, 2010, so last year it was touring around Wisconsin. So Yeah, there's, a band, are, there's a band down by Detroit named Ed Gein, too, as well. I think they're down by Detroit, somewhere in Michigan, but... Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he's gone, but definitely not forgotten. And like uh, the whole pop pop culture, like dark dark side of cinema, I guess the dark side of humanity of society, well, if you will. You know, I think for years he was big, but like I think Manson's kind of like overshadowed him as far as like pop culture popularity of like deviant. No, oh, he's still up. He's still up there though. Fuck a Charlie Manson. Well, I, you know, I, I think they both, I guess you could compare them both as equally um, as far as impact on cinema. Mm-hmm. I'll agree there. Mm-hmm. I say uh, Eddie Gein a little more, though. Yeah, look at what it got. goes got, back further. We got Norman Bates, we got Psycho, we got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, based on this stuff. As far as, like, how... epic films that have come out mm-hmm. is what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, stuff that, stuff that we're feeling, yeah. Mm-hmm. But not to say that Helter Skelter, like the T, that TV movie and uh, Van Beber's uh, Manson family aren't... Well, there was two Helter Skelter TV movies, you know, so... And then you've got all kinds of other shit, like what's that... Uh, documentaries, and you've got other... There's other TV movies on Manson, but I'd say the same there's about Ed Gein. There's all kinds of TV movies that were probably oh, yeah. made about him, too, as well, so... Everything. But yeah, I guess that's that's really all I got on the Eddie the Gein machine here. Look, not a whole lot I could talk more, but fuck. The fuck, I want to give the guy's resume to you guys? What the fuck? Right. If you're, exactly. if you're interested in the guy, you can do a little research and maybe find out a fact from something other than my lips, I guess. Yeah, there's all kinds of books out there, like you said. I mean, to dig, there's if you really want to dig into like the details of his like entire life out on the farm, I'm sure it's detailed and probably 50 books out there oh, i've, I've yeah. seen you at least want, 20 of these books so read uh read deranged if you want to uh, if you want to like hear about like all his backstory his childhood and all that shit yeah that's that's where it is it's yep. good stuff well with that with that said i guess we'll uh segue into a break and when we come back we'll uh tell you guys uh what we've got coming on the horizon for exploited cinema and uh yeah, well, maybe, maybe we'll time. bullshit about some movies we've been watching too lately or something i'll have a little shit talk for you yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do see what we can round up what i can pull out of my bag of tricks here hell yeah so with that said you're listening to exploited cinema attention podcast shoppers 
If you have a sweet tooth, we have a special treat for you. If you download an episode of Profondo Cinema in the next half hour, we'll give you a bag of audio ear candy free to take home to the kitties or enjoy yourself. So, hurry and download an episode at ProfondoCinema.com. Let's reinvent the gods, all the myths of the ages. Celebrate symbols from deep elder forests. Have you forgotten the lessons of the ancient war? We need great golden copulations. Fathers are cackling in trees of the forest, and mother is dead in the sea. You know we are being led to slaughters by placid admirals and that fat, slow generals are getting obscene on young blood. You know we are ruled by TV. The moon is a dry blood beast. Gorilla bands are rolling numbers in the next block of green vine, amassing for warfare on innocent herdsmen who are just dying. Oh, great creator of being, grant us one more hour to perform our art and perfect our lives. Moths and atheists are doubly divine and dying. We live, we die, and death not ends it. Journey we more into the nightmare, cling to life, our passion flower, cling to cunts and cocks of despair. We got our final vision by clap, Columbus's groin got filled with green death. I touched her thigh and death smiled. Right, welcome back to Exploited Cinema, everyone. Yes, uh, time, sad time, uh, the show's finally come to an end this is uh march madness uh, serial killers episode part two i hope you guys enjoyed i know i had a blast talking serial killers again it's just too bad andy uh, couldn't have been on the show live this time but he always comes through with his solid segments so i want to just thank the dream warrior once again and yeah fuck it was a blast i just hope we educated you guys opened a few ears watch your backs now when you're in the alleys and don't pick up hitchhikers yeah, I think this episode or these two episodes was kind of like a just like a something we were trying out. We're trying to do different things. We don't want to be like every other fucking podcast and and radio show out there. We really want to mix it up, and uh, I think that's mm-hmm. what we tried to do with this one. And uh, I know I really couldn't tell you if it went over well or not. I mean, the the hits have been pretty average. So I mean, guys that have been listening to the show, you know, since we since since we started, I mean, it's it's been about the same. But I haven't really heard too much i know uh uh was it jerry horror there i know he's yeah, a listener Jer- and he enjoyed it so jerry, jerry horror is feeling it actually he was demanding a second one before before he even knew it was coming out right exactly. he was fucking doing backflips as soon as we told him well yeah because that was like yesterday he's like oh man do another one it's like yeah just wait 24 hours oh he just caught fix. he just caught the first one then is that what you're saying well that was like what on the facebook page a day or two yeah ago, yeah he was all jizzing over it, so yeah. I'm glad he liked it. I know uh, D, he was feeling it, even though he's scared of serial killers, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the show, I mean, was downloaded and, and, and played quite a bit, so it wasn't like nobody 
didn't J- listen to the episode, but Jay Scott liked it from Profondo Cinema, so there you go. Mm-hmm. And you know, like like I said, I, I mean, I hope we can keep bringing um, different, uh, uh, I guess, show types to you guys. I mean, this was this isn't really what most people talk about when they're talking about horror genre, but I mean, let's face it, Ed Gein, come on, I mean, this guy's fucking so influential on modern horror cinema it's it's not even funny mm-hmm. yeah, you know? with, without eddie gein we might not have horror the way we have it today actually exactly exactly so you know with that said uh we'll, we'll try to bring maybe maybe next year we can bring this uh segment back in march who knows i mean it's never can tell we're fly by night podcast so mm-hmm. well we never know if the people uh if we hear a little talk about it a little ways down the road, pe- people want to hear it, yeah, hit us up. Fuck. Anyone has ideas, too, we're open to shit. Like, we got all kinds of greasy ideas here at Exploited Cinema. Mm-hmm. We just want to keep it fresh and try not to regurgitate a lot of the same shit you've heard before. Yeah. And bring it to you in a greasy way. And we're we're really open-minded to anybody's suggestions. Like, if you got an idea for the show, you know what our format is. You know how we do it. So if you can think of a combination mm-hmm. of... Uh, Something for obscure and VHS full. Shoot us a shoot us a line on the Facebook page or hit us up with an email at exploited uh, underscore cinema at yahoo dot com. And uh, even if you guys got questions or comments or anything, we're always open minded to um, to anything you got to send. And it, and to everybody out there that sent in just like um, feedback and stuff. I know we didn't read all the we know we don't always read feedback and stuff like that on the show. But trust me, we we always read everything. Me and J Dog do. We we appreciate everything everybody sent in. I know even a couple guys have commented on the actual main website. I know there's comments on each web, on each episode. You can comment and and we read those too. I do at least. I know. Oh, I read everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, daily actually. I scope it daily to see if who's checking out what, how the hits are. If, what episodes are more popular? I don't know. I'm just as big a fan as the show as a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're li- you're you're a regular listener. Yeah, like not only I, am I in, do, do I do the show, but I am I also listen to it probably some episodes more than once. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wish I could say the same. I hate the sound of my own voice, which I'm sure a lot of people out there do. <laughs> I've heard that from other people, like when they hear their voice on like an answering machine or something. They're like, do I really sound like that? Um, I was that way at first, but it's starting to grow on me now. I think it's kind of sexy. and uh, <laughs> I almost get a half Woodrow now when I re-listen to the podcast. You hear your own voice? Hell yeah. You're it, so in love with yourself, dude. Does that make me half a fag? No, not if you're in love with yourself. I don't I, think. I, okay, cool. Cool. I was, <laughs> I was getting worried there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we really enjoy doing the show and, uh, you know, and, and I like listening to it, but I don't listen to it as much, but, uh, you know, cause I have a few other podcasts and I'm kind of busy, you know, through the week and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think what we're putting together is something solid. I'm not trying to toot my own horn either. I mean, I, I'm, I'll be the last guy to toot my own horn about the show. Cause I mean, J Dog can uh, uh, attest to um, you know my comments when we first started. I didn't think it was that great, you know, like not his, not your end, dude, at all. That, I mean, more, that's more why my. Paid me fifty dollars so. a show to come do this with you. <laughs> <laughs> Brought in the heavy hitters, no, no, I'm just being full of myself again. But yeah, no, we do, we do it because we like to talk shit, and we just we have a blast doing it, and 
but no, I think it's solid too. Like as far as other ones I listen to, like fuck, we got pretty good production value. I have to say, not to sound too conceited, but yeah, well, it's I, do, solid. I do try to take my time, and uh, you know, of course, when we record the show too, as well, like we try to take an account of quality and stuff like that. There's some shows out there that the quality is terrible, and I think, um, you know, some of the, some of these podcasts they're bringing great information, but people just don't want to sit there for three hours listening to people cut in and out. And I know our last episode was very choppy. Um, There's some dead air in there, and you know, it just comes down to Skype, you know, and it just comes down to the software. If we if we were in the same room recording this, it'd be flawless, you know, it would sound like butter, you know, but yeah. But with technology, you know, that's just the way it is. And, of course, um, my connection ain't great. And, I mean, even if you've got a great connection, things come up. I mean, when we were recording this show, what, what Skype just dropped us. Just out of nowhere, yeah. yeah. Just dropped it like it was hot. So, um, And it makes it difficult to get through the shows. And that's sometimes why the show is late. It'll come, come in like a day late or it won't drop at midnight uh, on Saturday sometimes, you know. But... Hey, you know, we, we really do try to. We have get an excuse. If, if it don't, if it don't come. Yeah, we, we always we got an excuse. Up, so. <laughs> I got a wheel that I spin every time the show was late and it's like, all right, we're going to go with this tsunami or fucking morning. I was like, uh, like the flyers lost the night before. Oh, I can't do the show now. All kinds of different <laughs> good, ex- good excuses like that. That is a good excuse. Ed. Fucking right, man. Especially if it's the playoffs. I'll be on suicide watch again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I guess uh, I just want to add here, throw a little shout-out to the Mutantville players, actually. Uh, Strebo, I got his package in today that he sent me finally, and fuck, was I shocked when I opened it up. Like, it had comic books, a graphic novel, an old copy of Fangoria. Ooh. Yeah, like a bunch of convention stuff like that they give out, a uh, autographed little card from them, and couple of movies to boot like uh i i got a chance to check out the short i think it's about eight minutes long or something that's uh the devil comes down it's called actually and it's a zombie film and i gotta say man it was fucking great i think it was original solid i i didn't know what the fuck was going on until the end and a lot of nods to romero in it like i'm gonna review this on the show actually later down the road so i'm not gonna really go into the plot but <laughs> Yeah, like, it was, I gotta send you a copy, it was fucking really well done, man. Yeah, I'd love to check it out, I mean, as an independent filmmaker, I, you know, I like to check out indies here and there, I mean, I'm not as big of a fan of, of other independent films, and I, I've heard other, I've heard independent filmmakers say, like, the same thing, like, they make independent films, but they don't watch independent films, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm kind of like, you, I'm, you like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in that boat. I mean, just because, I mean, I just don't really have a lot of access to a lot of independence. But, I mean, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, if it's if it's well done, I'd love to check it out. So, mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's really slick looking. Yeah, like, uh, actually, as soon as we're done the show here, I'm going to go uh, get comfortable on the couch and watch the other one. His feature that he sent me, uh, Scarecrow at Midnight. Oh, that's a feature. Okay, awesome. I, well, I think it is anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure. Not exactly sure how long it is, but I'm, I'm it's longer to check than it out than anyway. the short. Then is what you're saying. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I know going on the short, I see. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to see this, and uh, we might have him on the show here actually down the road. I was talking to him, and yeah, he said he'd love to come on the show, and we'll talk everything that's Mutantville players here sometime down the road. I have we a, got a few. Have a we special got a, uh, like a Mutantville players special uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. 
Well, we got we got all kinds of stuff up our sleeve for down the road. A couple of interviews that are uh, they're up in the air. The people have agreed. We're just working on the software. We're just working out the kinks, and we're going to try to take it all to a to the next level, I guess, mm-hmm. this year on Exploited Cinema. Yeah, I mean, because we didn't really come into this game with like, I mean, you had a little bit of knowledge on your end, but I kind of, I've never done podcasts or anything like that. Actually, I'll be honest, I did try to do a podcast with a buddy. It was like an all around, it had like politics and news and and movies. I tried to bring movie talk and film talk to it and we we recorded like a two hour thing, but we never released it. This was a couple of years ago, probably probably back when uh podcasts were just starting to get real popular but uh okay it never took off for me and and i've always dabbled with um like audio recording i've recorded you know of local musicians stuff like that i mean i'm always involved with uh the film and and audio music and stuff like that but uh you know when i came to do the podcast i mean i i knew nothing i, I had to look up a fucking wikipedia thing on <laughs> getting everything set up not really record the recording mm-hmm. side but just you know, setting up websites and stuff like because I really don't dabble in that. So, which, which you need to get going, yeah. I guess this gives us a perfect opportunity to maybe mention uh, what's coming up for the next show. Eh? We got yeah. some. We got, I guess we we promised it at the beginning of the show, and uh, I was hoping everyone had kind of forgotten about it, so we could just fucking slip this episode past you. But time's come for the big surprise. How about you lay it on him, brother? Well, um, this was pre-recorded um yeah. back back on the third of march yeah, actually not, yeah. not too long ago um we were yeah it was your birthday we recorded it and uh it, it was uh kind of like we, we we were able to get everybody's schedules that worked well for it and um you know as we said furox fans this is it here i mean it's it's finally come um we basically uh well what do we do like a music and horror part four with uh the Changeling, you guys Tony may know him. Tony Pepperoni. Tony Pepperoni, Anthony Nicoletti, uh, Nick Lert. Weirdo with uh, the beard. Weirdo with the beardo in the garage. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, the pervert in the corner with the trench coat. It's it's Tony Pepperoni, man. Many aliases. He's, he's, yeah, A.K.A. Donnie Barrasco. No, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Fucking right. But, yeah, no, uh, it was great. It was like a little mini reunion show, and... Uh, Nick was along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. I tried to ch- I tried to chill back on the back burner as much as possible and let you guys just do your thing, you know. Do- Motherfucker on the back burner. You kept cutting me off every time. I know. Time tried to talk. You were fanboying it up because Tony was on the show. It was You're- so. Ah, look at him. <laughs> it was too. It was like I, it's it's kind of embarrassing because it was a, it was like the the fanboy moment there for a sec. I, I now I know how like. Uh, I know how Andy felt when he did uh, last week's uh, show with us because he was a little bit nervous and stuff. I mean, I guess I wasn't nervous, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just, it was different. It was, it was really nice, and um, you know, that's that's the show I've replayed probably three or four times now already. Um, yeah, I've listened to that. Fuck, that show's hilarious. Fuck, oh. I, I almost pissed myself. I I know everyone's gonna enjoy that. Like, I'm just getting people's mouths watering, beefing it up now. Well, it, I, it I'm going to go on the epic. record and say it's it, it's just it's that fucking good, man. I'm like both the guys they're ripping on me hard since it was my birthday. So there's a <laughs> lot of there's a lot of let's pick on J Dog moments. No, it was fun. Fuck, well, I had a blast. you know, but I just want to say I'm, I'm I want to thank you for taking like the time, you know, like your birthday and shit to 
you know, sit there and fucking record the show with us. And, uh, hey, the show must go on. You know, it was like real stand up. And, uh, of course, I want to thank Tony, you know, for, uh, for being on the show and taking the time out of, uh, his busy schedule to do it. And I know he's not even really interested in the podcast thing anymore. Like, you know, after, after all that shit that went on. And we do touch upon that in the show too as well. We touch upon a bunch of stuff and. Uh, it's almost, it's almost like, uh, we do the music show and then we have an interview with Tony almost at the end. Well, like, yeah, we, I mean, with, we the, with the, the, the intro with and them. the outro, yeah. Yeah, we get like the, the, the Furrock story and yeah, we, multiple different topics we discuss. Very entertaining stuff though. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's really going to enjoy that one. Yeah, so I mean, look, look forward to that. Um, uh, well, let me think. I think it's going to drop on April 9th. Uh, yep, it'll, oh, is that when it was going to drop? Uh, well, the show, yeah, the, the show drops tonight, so. Well, <laughs> no, we, I mean, of we, April. <laughs> I mean, that, that show will drop on April 9th, just so people know. I know it's already recorded, so it's yeah. just about me dropping it on time, and it should be on at, uh, 12 a.m. Saturday, the 9th. Yeah, there's no no excuse for this show being late. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Unless Nick gets too pissed on Moosehead and passes out and, in a pile of, like, shit and piss. <laughs> then maybe the show might be late, but you never know. But, yeah, I mean, in, in between that, um, I will be, again, uh, going to uh, Cinema Wasteland April 1st. Yeah. I'm only going out for one day. But uh, in between um, this show and the next show, I'm hoping to bring you guys like some kind of video. We'll post on the Facebook page of maybe a little mini 10, 20 minute, maybe two part documentary on uh, the the trip to Wasteland. And mm-hmm. and, and I know I'm going to be going to the Q and A later that night. I probably won't be able. I don't know if they're showing films that night or not. The shitty thing is, is it starts at five. And I mm-hmm. heard that the celebrities will probably only be signing till eight because they'll because uh-huh. they'll be doing Q and As and stuff yeah, and they'll yeah. need the celebrities for the Q and As. So um, not Q&A a lot of blo- not a huge block of time to get autographs for me. So I'm gonna be running around like a fucking maniac, you know, trying to get the autographs and then um, just make sure you get David Hess to sign your can of Crisco. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't so, miss out on that opportunity. But I mean, I hope to, um, I hope to be able to film the, uh, Q, parts of the Q&A too. I think Hess is gonna be on, um, 42nd Street Pete's, uh, uh, Q&A panel. So that should be great. Hmm. Lots of stuff in store and I That'd guess. It'd be great we'll, if you'd be able to like record that and play the audio or something for us. On the show? I think I should be able to record, record, um, in there. I've seen a lot of Wasteland videos and other convention videos with Q&As, so. I think they'll probably let us record, but I don't know. I'm going to bring my camera just in case. And like I said, yeah, I'm like, film and well, stuff, so. You can do, like, your little kind of documentary thing, and then, yeah, if they'll let you record the Q&A, maybe you can, like, rip the sound and play it for the rest of us geeks on the show, because I know I'd love to hear that, too. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. I mean, I don't know if, um, I know I'll try, to get a, I'll try to get a video up um, before um, the music and horror show with Tony. And then if, you know, if I can get anything extra, you know, I'm going to be trying, you know, of mm-hmm. course, uh, any opportunity I get to, to get, you know, anything from any of the celebrities, maybe just a little five minute, you know, bullshit sesh on camera or something. We'll try to bring for the next episode. We have nothing planned right now after the music and horror. So anything, anything's up for grabs at this point. Yeah. Well, we've threw, thrown a few ideas around, but yeah. <laughs> we'll see if any of them come to light. <laughs> true, true. Uh, yeah. Got to see if something comes to fruit here first. But yeah, I don't know. I guess 
I don't really have a whole lot more to add. Got some posters the other day. I got my Angel one sheet and my Vice Squad one sheet. And nice. My young, my young Warriors one sheet. The epic canon film that it is. I haven't seen that yet. Is that is that any good or? Fuck is is it any good? Come on, now. it's got the hammer in it. It's oh, even it got the hammer in it too. Yeah, it's Damn got right. Fucking everything. Linnea Quigley's Linnea Quigley's in it. Uh, Chuck Norris's brother Aaron Norris stars in it. That's good. Does uh does his brother like does he look like Chuck or? Mm, not really, no. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool, actually. It's like this guy's sister. It's a bunch of college frat boys, and the one guy's sister gets raped, and nothing's really going on about it. So they decide to go out and uh, try to fucking clean up the streets. It's kind of like a frat boy vigilante film. Like they're out in their jeep, and they get into fights with some black dudes that are stealing a vehicle and. Shit like that until things get serious and one of them gets killed and then they get guns and ah, that's definitely worth a watch. I, if Andy don't have it, I need to hook him up so we can cover it in a cannon corner. Maybe I'll hijack that one with him. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to hear about that film and it sounds like a great revenge flick. Is it? It sounds, it sounds kind of like it's like a re- rape and revenge to an extent, huh? Kinda, yeah. Actually, I have a copy of it in the package. I need to send out to you sooner or later. Awesome! I'd love to check it out. Maybe we could, uh, maybe we can do like I said, a canon special. I know before Andy had come on, I had kind of planned an, a canon special, but it wasn't like a canon action special. It was a little something else. And maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll have something like that come up uh, in the next couple months because I know I'll be sending you a package out here. Um, yeah. Maybe we can get something like that rolling. But I, I'd love to do a canon special. With, uh, well, with I got Warrior, so. I got four pages of notes from back in the Furox days when we were going to do a Canon retrospect. Oh, you'd already done the research for it, huh? Yeah, like I researched Canon like right to uh, grassroots before fucking Canon was Canon when it was still Capgun. Maybe, uh, maybe we need to do like a whole retrospect on Canon, like cover the whole fucking gambit, dude. Oh, there you go, because it changed hands a few times. Like, you got the Canon of the 70s. Well, you got Canon late 60s, 70s, really takes fruit in the 80s. And then you got the Canon of the 90s, mm-hmm. which was, eh, so-so. Not so, so good. Yeah. Not very good stuff, no. That's when, like, Canon and media, VHS kind of combined. And not a lot of those Canon media titles are very good, but there's a couple of them that aren't bad, though. Well, speaking so, speaking of we're canon, way let's, topic, but let's anyway. pl- well let's plug uh, Andy's wallpaper that he uh, just recently put up on the Facebook page. What's he, he the backdrop it. for my computer already? As soon Mine as I too as well. It, I, Mine I too as my, well. <laughs> I took my Savage Streets one down and put that up. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was like the coolest fucking thing I'd seen all all night, and it was instantaneous. Mm. Like set the background. <laughs> Actually, something else. Since I just mentioned Savage Streets, did you notice Arrow Video is going to be uh, released in Savage Streets? I hadn't heard about that. Oh, uh, fuck. I, I seen the cover for it today. My God. It's just, it's fucking beautiful, man. Like, I just want to, like, Linda Blair looks fine. It's like a painted picture, but it, her titties are hanging out. And goddamn, motherfucker, you need to track that down. It's, do you I'm think gonna that, that it's going to blow um, the BCI print out of the water or what? I think it's got pretty much all the same. People were comparing it and they were saying the the other one was better, the US one, because they say these arrow transfers aren't that good. And, but still, for the cover art and all the little extra things you get with it and just to have another version of Savage Streets on DVD, I'm all over it. I'll have more information, actually, uh, as it comes in on this. Oh, you, you've got it ordered. Is that no, what I'm, I'm oh. going to be ordering it, okay. yeah. 
Yeah, I it just, sounds great. I'd love to I, check it I out. All I got to see was the artwork today, and my God, yeah. So Fucking it's like um, fabulous. it's a new like artist rendering of of a co- of the cover, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to- totally new cover. Yeah. Yeah, because they do cover. all they do great artwork. That's really what draw. I haven't bought any of their DVDs yet. I hate to say it, but. Uh, their artwork looks fucking fantastic for a lot of the past releases. I know they released um I a Martin a Martin DVD that mm-hmm. uh, I've heard's pretty good. So I want to get that. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking for because I just picked up the um, oh well I mentioned on the show it was probably after Christmas I had picked up the um, Lionsgate uh, Martin release and it's all right. I mean it, mm-hmm. it's okay. That's and, the one I have. Yeah, that one's an all right release. It's not bad, but, uh, you know, it looks like Arrow puts out some pretty good stuff, but, uh, you know, I guess we're off topic again, and uh, this show's ran longer than it really should have, so uh, with that said, I'm going to roll the show out, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, of course, uh, always uh, keep it tuned here to Exploited Cinema.